Comics. Movies. Music. Video games. Technology. Blu-ray. Television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com slash outnowpodcast. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's www.audibletrial.com slash outnowpodcast. Privilege, on Out Now with Aaron and Abe. Hey, Scott. Happy Father's Day. Yeah, Scott. Happy Father's Day. Why, thank you. You know, as much as I was looking forward to Man of Steel, I would like to think my kids see me as their Superman. Do you? Well, yes. Yeah, but Scott, if I were considering you as a superhero, I'm heading in somewhat different direction, like Beast. Like like X-Men Beast? Yeah. You mean like Dr. Fraser Crane Beast? Yeah, you know, like all-intellectual, fast-thinker, really hairy. Whoa, 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 whoa. Who would you be? Obviously, I'm someone awesome. Colossus. Yes, because rugged Russian steel screams Abe. <laughs> yeah, and we all know how good-hearted you are. So, who would you be, then? Isn't it obvious? Nightcrawler, the minority of X-Men. The tale was a dead giveaway. Well, why don't you just go disappear? Fine, I'll see you at the podcast. Fine! Fine. Hello? Hello? Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. Introduction. And this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello! Out Now is a film podcast as Abe and I are discussing new movies weekly. We also bring in discussion about the latest movie trailers, box office results and predictions, a callback to past films similar to the main film of the week, games, and other fun stuff. This is episode 107. 107! And tonight, we are talking about Man of Steel. This is the newest Superman film from director Zack Snyder and producer Christopher Nolan, starring a cavalcade of characters and um that's a that's just a fun well word done. to say I, that's just that just like those syllables just all of those those are all good Maybe a that... henry cavalcade oh oh my god that's that was unnecessary but wonderful that was great <laughs> <laughs> henry cavalcade of characters yes oh that's perfect so speaking of which joining us to discuss man of steel we have from fast film reviews starting quarterback for the smallville crows mark hoban hi everyone and from Forbes and Mendelssohn's Memos, fighting fighter of truth, justice, and reasonable knowledge of box office numbers, Scott Mendelson. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Okay. Hey, Doing well? Yes. Put a little ast- put a little asterisk on the Smallville Crows for comic geeks. That that actually is the team for football in Smallville. Just saying. But yeah. <laughs> I'm really uh, honored to be on this podcast of all podcasts because I have such a uh, place in my heart for the original Superman movie, so thank you for uh, including me. For sure, <laughs> I, I, I did, I did, I did, try, I did think of that when I was considering who to have as guests for the show, and it was, you know, you have, you have such a fondness for that original Superman movie. I wanted to see what I wanted you to share well, with and, the listeners your the, thoughts on this movie and the sequel. Yes, and the sequel. I just they're like one movie. I mean, come on, right? <laughs> but um, yeah. 
So yeah, we're talking about Man of Steel tonight. We have Scott Mark with us. Abe's here too. That's always great to have. I say, you know, as always, Abe, you know, (laughs) some of these past few weeks haven't always had Abe on them. Pretty busy these past few weeks. It's busy times. But yeah, that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about Man of Steel later, but we got some announcements first. Um, biggest thing, I guess, to announce, um, we now have a sponsor. Uh, you might have heard this at the beginning of the show in the opening, opening tag there, but we now have a sponsor in the form of Audible. Uh, dot com. com. <laughs> Thank oh. you. Oh. <laughs> we'll, we'll work on that. This is yeah. new. Sponsors are new, guys. But, um, yeah, Audible is the, um, if you, if you've listened to other podcasts, you, you're probably familiar with Audible, but audio isn't in, in, uh, audiobook well, website. It has many, many, many audiobooks that you can listen to on various MP3 devices, iPods, iPhones, I don't even care anymore, like all these things. Um, and to help us out and to get yourself a free audiobook, all you have to do is go to audibletrial.com slash outnowpodcast. That's audibletrial.com slash outnowpodcast. That'll be in the show notes and everywhere else you can find our show. Pretty what was that clear. again, Aaron? Um, I believe I said it was audibletrial.com slash outnowpodcast. Ah. And by going there, you can download a free audiobook using that link. You get yourself a free audiobook. You don't even have to – you can just use that. If you delete that account, you still get to keep that audiobook. Or if you want to, you know, peruse, if you want to peruse the many, many other options you have there, I mean, you can get another one, you know, and purchase it. But whatever, regardless, you get a free audiobook and you help us out. Like Abe and I, we we get some kind of, you know, some kind of credit for you guys getting a free copy of something you want to listen to. I mean, everybody wins in this situation. I don't know who loses. Maybe the Chinese. I don't know why I said that, but they could lose. I don't know. <laughs> We're not trying to start a war here. I'm not. No, because <laughs> that's what they listen to this podcast. It's like, yeah, the Aaron like, and Abe. Yeah, you guys that's, started thermonuclear war with China. That's it. Like, guys. What? We've had enough of this. We're going after you guys now. But anyway, getting back to what matters. We'll change it to the North Koreans in post. <laughs> there you go. Oh, Olympus is falling. Just presents the North Koreans. Um, AudibleTrial.com is out now. Podcast. You can use that URL. You can find yourself an audiobook. Get yourself a free audiobook to listen to and help us all out. I think it everyone wins. We could we could start paying our guests. That won't happen. That's not gonna happen. But anyway. Wait, what? <laughs> Regardless. <laughs> that's, that's the end of the required no. audible plug for this week. And we'll, is that retroactive? Because I've been doing this for about two years. <laughs> we'll be sure to bring this up again in future podcast episodes. <laughs> uh, moving on. Um, recently we've had we've had some bonus episodes. And one of them was a Superman commentary. Um, Scott yeah. was on that track as well as Brandon. And I think Jordan was on there too for a little bit. And Abe, of course, as always. Yeah. And um, we've had some feedback on those, those commentaries. And I'm going to read one. I'm going to read some of one because Dennis sent us a nice email. But, you know, he's a little lengthy. So here we go. I'm going to read the Superman portion of it. Um, Dennis writes, Superman the movie was the first movie I saw as a grade school kid. I remember standing in line outside the theater and around the block waiting to get tickets with my dad. Happy Father's Day, by the way, all the fathers out there. I also remember the opening credits lasting forever. They were cool, but I really wanted them to end. At six years old, I didn't pick up on the reverence Donner invested in the movie, but even then, I was moved by the many iconic moments that still stand out today. Still one of my favorite movies. Uh, thank you, Dennis, for that. That was, that's a, there's, there's more to this email, but I just... No. You know that. what makes those credits bearable, though, is that incredible score. It is, yeah. John Williams. So, I mean, it's just a chance to just listen to it and enjoy it. And, uh, yeah. It's, it, it is. I mean, there's no, there's, there's really nothing to argue there. That's, that's, that's just, that's just truth. That's what that is. 
But I, uh, I, I kind of missed, and it's somewhat old-fashioned these days, where you know you'd have a movie that the first three minutes or so it was just the opening credits and the theme. You know, whether right. it was Superman or Batman or even you know Spider-Man or even something like uh, Air Force One, you yeah. just sit back for a minute and you listen to that theme song. Like kind of like uh, Spielberg's been keep trying to keep it up with like Catch yeah. You Can and Tintin, even like they have. True. The set of opening credits, but yeah, I, I definitely know what you mean. It's not, and even like Woody Allen, if you want to argue that too. But, um, <laughs> just sit back and like, like listen to the jazz. Those are some powerful themes in those Woody Allen. Exactly. Films. Yeah, it really gets you in the mood. Match point. <laughs> but, um, uh, Dennis's his subject line for this email was actually the secret word in our commentary, which was Otisburg. In our commentaries, we always tend to throw in a secret word out there, and if you send in that word, we I just I just send you something because that's how I roll. And so Dennis won because of that. And uh, he didn't he didn't send us video of his double take though. He didn't do that. No, that was yeah. He didn't. Yeah, no. he would have won. That would have been that would have been icing on the cake. Yeah, it would have been a bigger price. But yeah, he did. He is he's gonna get something. And he also yeah. sent he, by the way, he also sent us the other code word for one of our other commentaries as well, which I enjoy quite a bit. So nice that people, I know that people listen to these commentaries, so it's always just nice to see feedback from them. Um, I'm just going to read this one, another email too from Matthew concerning Superman commentary. Um, I hadn't seen Superman the movie since I was a kid until about a year ago when I had a short run on Netflix instant. I'm pretty sure it was only the theatrical cut though. Did I hear that some of you were watching the director's cut on Blu-ray? <laughs> some of us were. Some of us were. <laughs> some of us were not as successful. <laughs> But, uh, yeah. You uh, believe a man can watch the wrong cut for an hour without realizing it. <laughs> oh, that's a great tagline. But uh, just Thank to you. clarify for people that do want to, you know, watch Superman the movie, the director's cut, um, that I, on the Blu-ray, I believe it's, um, it has both cuts on it. So I was good. It does. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's not that hard to, to, to put the right one in, I guess. Just <laughs> briefly, what, what is kind of the main difference between the director's cut and the original? Scott, do you know offhand? There's about eight minutes or so, give or take. Uh, there's a few extra bits in Krypton in the opening. 20 minutes or so oh. there's a couple there's a there's an extra bit in smallville that makes no sense because it's like a young lois lane yet she's much younger than clark kent um and there's a big scene in the beginning of the third act involving lex Luthor having a bunch of death traps in his fortress before he and superman meet face to face it's, it's a, neat but it's redundant action there's a, i remember a scene where lois lane is on a train and she sees that the yeah that's yeah. part of it yeah so that's yeah. an extra Yes. yes. Oh, okay. I, I, so I do. I must have seen it then, because I do remember that scene. I feel like that's the one that gets played more. Either. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Anyway, yeah. Anyway. Superman, the commentary. Uh, thanks, guys, for your emails. Um, let's move on here. Let's um, let's get to know everybody. Each week, we try to ask each other a few questions, try to set the tone for the podcast. I better get to know everybody. I think we might know Scott and Mark more than we want to already, but why not? Let's do it anyway. Let's uh, start with Abe this week. Great. All right. Uh, Mark. Yes. You're writing a new comic book about a superhero who crash lands on Earth. Where does your superhero land? Um, I would say, eh, I mean, I would probably say Washington, D.C., because that's where the seat of the government is. And I think there would be a lot of interesting uh, dialogue and uh, scenes that you could uh, gain from uh, setting the action in that city. Cool. So I, Do you have a name for your hero? Klaatu. Klaatu Barada Nikto? <laughs> That's the full name. Thank you, Eric. Oh. There you, <laughs> nice. Thanks for <laughs> chiming in on those Day of the Earth students still references. But okay. <laughs> Sadly okay. timely. Scott. Yes. Who is your favorite Superman actor? And I will give you a few just in case you need refreshing. 
There is Henry Cavill, Brandon Routh, Tom Welling, Christopher Reeve, Dean Cain, George Reeves, and as thorough as I am, there's this guy named Kirk Allen who was an actor in the film serial from 1948. I'll even include that guy. I'm assuming we're not getting into the animated stuff because that's too voluminous. Uh, uh, you know, if, if, you, um, if you would prefer no, to. No. Like, I, I, li- I like Tim Daly and George Newbern, but I'm actually going to have to give two answers. My favorite Superman is Christopher Reeve. My favorite Clark Kent is Dean Cain. Oh, okay. Moonlighting Superman? Yes. David Addison's of Superman's? Yes, exactly. Um, I think in, in some ways he was the most interesting. I mean, part of it is because he got to be developed for four seasons, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. But, and through all the, the years of the series, you know, he never looked that comfortable in the Superman costume. It was always clear that he was hired to be Clark Kent, and Superman was sort of a, bi- you know, it's a Superman show, so he has to show up as Superman every once in a while. But he was always far more comfortable being Clark Kent. And while Christopher Reeves is a wonderful Superman, et cetera, et cetera, and while I understand its its idea at the time, today I don't particularly care that much for the overly nerdy Clark Kent. Um, part of that is because I've seen, you know, other versions that have allowed Clark Kent to maintain his dignity while also being the secret identity of Superman. So I don't see as much of a need to explicitly uh, split them up as much today. But yeah, for what it was at his time, obviously it was groundbreaking, it was awesome, et cetera, et cetera. And he is still a definitive Superman. Um, yeah, I, I always thought that the reason why they made him so nerdy in, in those films was because it was so obvious that he's the same guy. Yes. So we need to separate him somehow. And so let's make him so klutzy and, and nerdy that no one could possibly believe this is the same guy. Absolutely. And, yes. and in the movie, that was sort of the first time anyone had ever tried to play Superman, Clark Kent as very different people. It wasn't just, hey, look, it's Clark Kent without glasses, a curl in his hair, and three different color contacts. Um, to be fair, I do think it's a testament to the talent of Chris Brady's yes. acting skill as well, that he was able to pull that off. Oh, absolutely. How necessary it might have been. Um, Which we reflect on more in the Superman commentary that we've already yes. talked about. <laughs> um, I, I like him, but I'm not going to pretend that Dean Cain was a better actor than Christopher Reeve. I just happen to prefer that version of Clark Kent. Yeah, fair enough. I like that. I like that answer. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, let's see. Who should I ask? Who should I ask? Uh, Mark, um, yes. you are in a fight with an army of supervillains. You can only have one superhero on your side. Marvel or, or let's stick with DC. Uh, who do you want on your side? Um, hmm. Ryan Reynolds. What's that? I mean, it's kind of a boring answer because we're talking about it, but I I mean, my favorite superhero film of all time is Superman, so I I would probably have to say Superman. Fair enough. And and the Christopher Reeve version of it. (laughs) Uh, Aaron, what is... Yeah, what is – I know you mentioned this before we even start recording, but what is your favorite Henry Cavill movie? <laughs> I know that's not very creative, but it, it, <laughs> that's, my, um, that's my fallback question. Yeah. Um, I can give you examples, but I, I think you probably already know. I'm trying to think of the – if there's one that I'm forgetting before I – So there's like Man of Steel, Immortals. Uh, you know, and I'm even going to include ones where he had a small part. So he was in The Count of Monte Cristo, Stardust, Tristan and Isolde. Oh, then Stardust, done. <laughs> All right. 
I haven't seen the Tudors, but I he doesn't have to be a star in it. Just yeah, I, know. I, have, I haven't seen I have not seen the show the the Showtime show the Tudors, but I, I hear he's he's quite good at that. But I haven't seen it, so I have no basis there. And it's also a show, so it doesn't really did, count. Did you ever see that movie um, that he did? I think it was this year, uh, The Cold Light of Day. That it he was did like last year. Like I did. It was, it was, oh, was dumped, it last year? It was like dumped and released for like yeah, it was like, like a week. October November. Yeah, uh, yeah, didn't see it. I thought it was fine for what it was. You know, it's a little B picture. What I liked about it is that you know it's in, have you seen it? I, I have not. I don't think I without even without going into details. <laughs> yeah. Henry Cavell plays a, a young man. He's on vacation with his family. Intrigue starts happening, and as the intrigue happens, what I like about the film is it doesn't he doesn't magically turn into a superhero. He, you know he doesn't even though he gets himself into a kind of a Jason Bourne like situation. He doesn't become Jason Bourne. He's scared. He's unsure. He makes mistakes and. You know, that basically continues throughout the entire run of the film. You know, I don't want to oversell it. It's not that good of a movie, but I think it slightly deserved more than it got box office and review-wise. Dave. Um, yeah. Favorite film outcast. Favorite film outcast? Yes. Uh, that little sheep in uh, that one uh, Wallace and Gromit short. Sean. <laughs> Sean the, Sean the Sheep that's, is not an that's, outcast. That's, that's not an outcast. That's not even a movie. He is and that's awesome. not Wallace and Gromit. But it's so, it's so <laughs> random. <laughs> I was like, wait, 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 wait. He's even friends with those who do not bleed. Life's a treat with Sean he the Sheep. Is, he actually is in one of them, but then he's, he's not the Scott's main character. He's crushing it in this answer, by the way. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm like trivia about Sean the Sheep. Favorite movie, outcast. Hmm. Uh, hmm. Favorite movie outcast. I would go with the the fat kid in Stand by Me. They don't want him entering the clubhouse, and he actually makes Gordy like run for his life. That kid just Jerry O'Connell. Yeah. Yeah, but I forget his name. Vern. Yeah. Uh, actually, yeah, I think it is. Yeah. That kid. I don't know why I thought of Stand by Me. I don't quite see him as an outcast, but okay. <laughs> um. Okay. Uh, Scott. Yes. Which product placement ad did you want the most while watching Man of Steel? <laughs> I'm not sure how to answer this without going into spoilers. Let's just say that I'm be very well, vague you, you here. Just, you'd name you'd name one. You, oh, you well, name no, a product. Not, 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 um, not dive into it. That's how you'd not spoil. I, I, to be fair, I, have, I really wanted a Slurpee during the movie. <laughs> I enjoy pancakes, <laughs> so perhaps a pancake would have been nice. Perhaps an IHOP pancake. <laughs> Um, I was gonna say I saw that movie at midnight, and after the movie, I think IHOP is open at 3 a.m. And I was very tempted to go to IHOP and have breakfast. Yeah, you chill there for like a couple hours, and Sears opens. Well, that's 170 million dollars well spent. <laughs> Superhero pancakes, yeah. Nice. Okay. Um, favorite Zack Snyder movie? As one of the only people that probably considers himself a Zack Snyder fan. I, I'm, a Zach, I'm a big Zack Snyder fan. I'm Fair a, enough. I, besides, Should I be united? Yeah, I mean, I I don't have the praise for Sucker Punch that you found, but I mean, <laughs> aside from that, I, I've I've at least given a good rating to all his movies. I really I really enjoy 300. Um, yeah. Dawn of the Dead maybe maybe the one that arguably I could say is better, but I, I really I just I just watched three I just rewatched 300 too, and I, I I for what the movie's trying to accomplish, I think it does everything it needs to do. And to me, that makes it his best movie in terms of being fully realized. Um, Watchmen's very ambitious for what he's trying to do, but it's, it's just it, for being such a big fan of that of that book, it 
the the second half is just such a rush, and uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, so I'll, I'd say three hundred. Really, like, Gerard Butler's so strong in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he is. It's a great as, start as an actor. I mean, he's strong too because he's um, making all kinds of Persian acts. And but, I mean, no one makes like, him sing, so that's good. Yeah, that's a, it's a nice it's a nice start. It's a you know the Phantom of Persia would have been a, there you go. Um, Mark. What is your favorite heroic effort you've seen in a film? Uh, huh. <laughs> I thought about my questions. I'm okay, sorry. so, I mean, no, no, it's a, it's a good question. And again, I'm going to go back to Superman. It's the part where he flies around the world and turns it back in time to save his beloved Lois Lane. Even though it's forbidden, they told him, no, you cannot do that, but he did it anyway. I, I still pick that. It's not just forbidden. It's forbidden, bidden, 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 bidden. <laughs> but he, there was no consequences. He did it, and and it, it all turned out like roses for him. So uh, you know, the only we thing were was, bluffing, bluffing, bluffing. He, bluffing. I know, I was gonna say he had to endure some big faces like yelling at him in the sky. <laughs> but that was that. it. I mean, that's a small price to pay for your beloved to be brought back to life. I, I think, think any, I, anyone would would you know endure that. I think Werner Herzog would describe it as forbidden. But um, <laughs> I think we're not going to see that Jack Reacher sequel, are we, Aaron? We, we might, we might get it. Never Malik attack, Malik attack! Come on! <laughs> um, I think that's going to do it for know everybody, and that's how we uh, that's how we get to know everybody. Let's move on now. Let's move on to out no hoogies. Jim. Each week and out now, we talk about one main movie, but there's lots of movies that constantly come out that we, you know, like to go and see, and so we like to have a segment where we can talk about said movies in a limited amount of time. That's why we have a segment called Out No Quickies. Great. Okay, <laughs> Whoa. Nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. Out of quickies. Tim. Okay. Boom. Abe, have you seen any other movies this week? I did. I watched uh, This Is The End. I found it enjoyable, a little bit long. Uh, some of the characters were uh, were uh, killed off rather more funnily than others. And, more uh, funnily. Funnily, That's yeah. a word. Yeah. And uh, overall, it, it was okay. Um, I, I don't think I had as much fun as, uh, say, like 98% of America, though. Abe, Debbie Downer. <laughs> Mark? Well, in light of missing your independent movie showcase, which I saw about 90% of the movies you discussed, just saying, but... Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> is, that, Sorry, is that a Mark. slight jab? <laughs> no, no bitterness. But uh, I, I, two movies, I, I saw The East fairly recently, and I actually really enjoyed it. I... Kind of like was you, surprised. You, I read your review. You seemed very much more warm than, than I was. And Adam. Yeah, and uh, I think one of the things was when I saw the trailer, I kind of expected it to be full of like a lot of violent atrocities, and it was going to be like how they take revenge against people. And it really wasn't about that at all. It was actually a very measured discussion about these you know people who were upset with these corporations and their point of view was fairly represented and then also the uh the the side of the corporations was actually fairly represented so i thought it was a pretty even-handed presentation of the the different issues i mean it wasn't spectacular but i i was actually quite surprised with how good it was so i enjoyed that a lot and then um i also this came out quite a while ago but it didn't get a whole lot of love on your podcast i really liked oh actually uh, I, i take that back Adam Gentry loved it. Um, uh, Disconnect. I, I really, really loved that movie quite a bit. Um, and I thought it was – someone even described it on the podcast as sort of Robert Altman-esque as it discusses these different social media um, 
the way it uh, plays into society and how these different people are affected by it. And I thought it was a very interesting film, and I, I, I like the way it played out. So yeah, I'm, the, I'm the one that's in the minority on Disney. Yeah, you don't like, yeah. you didn't care for it that much. Yeah, but I mean, even like in general reviews and people in general, like they like. The, I'm the one that's, <laughs> I'm the one that's speaking on the in the small corner. It didn't get a whole lot of uh, love from the box office. I mean, I realize it's an independent picture, but even then, I don't think it really. It did. There's almost no like even for a movie like that. I didn't really see some trailer for it, and I just I had to seek it out myself as opposed yeah. to like, catching it during another movie that I would have seen or something. That's so. right. So those two, right. Scott. Well, uh, actually, I didn't see anything this week other than no. Wait, wait, wait. I stand corrected. I did see Side Effects, which I enjoyed. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. It's a good Hitchcockian little thriller. Yeah. Um, it did sort of bring up a pet peeve of mine, and a lot of movies do this, and I wish they wouldn't, where they open the film with a quote-unquote hook that teases something that's going to happen much later in the film for no reason other than to, oh, this is going to pique your curiosity. No, it's just going to spoil whatever happens about two-thirds, you know, a third of the way or two-thirds of the way through the film for no good reason. Um, a lot of films do that. I wish they wouldn't. Um, I watched the unrated cut of Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunters. I've also just recently watched this. Um, the unrated it's cut. It's not terrible. There's a lot of inter- fun gore. I know that's going to be on the poster. Yeah. It's, um, really my only problem with it is the fact that, that, that Gretel Despite being again sold as this you know strong independent ass kicking woman, basically gets in you know imperiled three different times in the film, where she gets knocked out and rescued by men three different times in the picture. Um, but other than that, it's harmless and stupid, and it made two hundred and twenty five million to so bring on the sequel. And then the week before that, I actually saw quite a bit because I wasn't as busy. Uh, Identity Thief is terrible. Um, <laughs> That's a quickie. All, yeah, it's it's pretty <laughs> terrible. Um, even Jason Bateman can't save it. I downloaded VHS 2, but I have not watched it yet. Well, let's get to mm-hmm. me then, because I did watch yeah. VHS 2, and that movie is quite good. Um, That's what I've heard. The, uh, the, the issues that I had with VHS, and even that that Abe had it too as well, I mean, some of the, it, it kind of, the first one drags a bit, the wraparounds aren't very good. Yep. Um, and some skits are just not good at all. This one is much shorter. There's only four skits. All of them I really enjoyed. I was unnerved by one of them. I texted today. It was like I had to pause. You texted the, me about it. Yeah. I, had to, I had to pause the movie at one point just kind of like get a, like a breath of fresh air after like watching it in the dark. It's like Jesus, this, <laughs> that's, that's some stuff going down in that one. But, uh, where did you see VHS too? Uh, you can. It's currently available on VOD on video on demand. You, oh, I you see. Can rent it via Amazon, PlayStation, Xbox, whatever. It'll be out in theaters, I believe, in July at some point. But yeah, it's currently available. July twelfth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, much much stronger effort. The um the the, the four shorts are all very creative. Um, the one by the director of the raid, Gareth Evans, is insane. Um, the last one, directed by the guy that did Hobo with a Shotgun, Jason Eisner, his one's also it's the, the last two are very creative. The first two are solid too. The last two are just the the way the, what it takes to film some of the things that were in those two clips is pretty very. <laughs> I want to know more about that because it's something. Um, I've seen This is the End too. The sequel to This is the End. No, I've seen This is the End also. This is the End too. The end was just the beginning. Um, but um, I, I think we're gonna, I think we're gonna do like a special kind of little mini episode that we might release at some point too. But I'll just say I enjoyed it quite a bit. I think it's hilarious. I think Mark Hoven agrees with me as well on that oh, one. Which one is that? On This is the End. Oh, being, being uh, hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I really enjoyed it. And you know. 
before this movie came out, I mean, we were picking our uh, top tens of the year. I mean, now that I've seen it, I, pro- I mean, I think I would probably, I don't know how well it's going to do, but it, it's a really good comedy. I mean, it, it, it's R-rated, so that's going to hold it back a little bit from reaching, like, mass, you know, uh, acceptance, but it's really good. Like, I mean, super bad good or, you know, in that in that level. Uh, but yeah, we might do a little bonus episode, and I, we might that will show up later on in the week at some point. Um, I've also seen a certain other Pixar movie that comes out in a certain span of time, but I'll just say that if you like colorful fun, there's no reason not to see that movie. Um, but we'll get to that later on. Let's uh, get to movie trailer talk. Um, each week, that was that now cookies. Tm. Okay. Let's get to movie trailer talk. <laughs> each week, now we try to discuss some of the newest movie trailers and uh, our thoughts on them, and we have two. In honor of Warner Brothers Presents Man of Steel, we have two new Warner Brothers trailers to talk about today. Um, the first one is The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smoog. And this is, of course, the follow-up to The Hobbit 1. I forget. I can't even think of what it was called offhand. Was an Unexpected Journey. I literally blanked on the title of the first Hobbit movie. I had no idea what it was until just then. It took me half a second. Um, the Hobbit, The Desolation of Smoog, um, of course, continues Is that the, the correct pronunciation? It, yes, it is. Have I been saying it wrong for 30 years? Smoog. Smoog. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, it you know, continues the adventures of Bilbo and his, you know, band of dwarves as they try to reach the, what, the Misty, the Misty Mountains? Misty Mountains? All right. The Lonely Mountains. The Lonely Mountains. Yeah. Those <laughs> mountains out there that the Eagles can drag them to. Um, those mountains. And, uh, you know, take back the castle that Smoog has taken over because dragons need money for some reason. Um, this, this has all the same cast and a few additions, including Orlando Bloom, Evangeline Lilly, <laughs> and more. Uh, let's start with Mark Hoban, who I believe was the, the warmest on the first Hobbit film. What did you think of the trailer for The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smoog? Yeah, I mean, this this already this already has me, because I enjoyed the first one, and so I'm I'm ready to see the second one. Um, I did have some issues with the first one. It was very long, and I feel like uh, extending the original story into three movies is kind of annoying, but um, I, I, I did enjoy the first one. Uh, so the uh, the trailer looks good. I, I have to say one thing though, if you watch the trailer, and I invite everyone on listening to this podcast to go to the internet and watch it. Uh, the go to our sh- site and get into the show notes. We'll have the trailer. Go, there. go to the go to the site exactly. And the opening shot of the trailer looks just like the Paramount Pictures logo. It does. It, yes. it looks exactly. It's a, a shot of a mountain, and I, I for a second, I'm thought, wait, this is. I think this is Warner Brothers, not Paramount. I just, it's not just an thought Indiana that Jones was, movie. I would, yes, would. just thought that was kind of interesting. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I like I said, I'm, I'm already ready to see it, whether the trailer was good or not. And oh, I will mention one thing too. The, um, they actually, we actually do get to see the dragon in the trailer, and I didn't think the CGI of the dragon looked that good. It looked kind of cartoonish. So that I, that didn't impress me, but you know we'll see. Which could you make the argument that the Hobbit is more comicy, comic, a more a more comical tale than the Lord of the Rings films are? So, but I guess it is the big threat. I don't care enough. Mark Scott, what did you think of the trailer? <laughs> <laughs> no, I I was one of the whiny internet bitches, pardon my French, about the first Hobbit. Um, <laughs> you know, I I love I love the first Lord of the Rings series. I was not a fan of the first Hobbit, so I sort of watched this with a certain dread, but. I it's a good trailer. Um, it looks exciting. It looks fun. Um, the, I think the dragon looks fine, but whatever. It looks like a dragon. I'm happy. Um, I think it's a little silly that not only is Orlando Bloom back, but they basically invented a new love interest for him. 
So in the second film, you have one character who's not in the book and another character that doesn't exist having a romance together in this film. So whatever. But is he not in the appendices at all? I don't know. I I'm not the expert. But I know the appendices stuff is something that's linked into these movies. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say yes because I don't know. Okay. <laughs> but no, it looks pretty good. And it's weird because as somewhat turned off as I was by the 48 frames the last time around, this time around I'm actually kind of looking forward to seeing that again. Because I, I when I watched The Hobbit, it was like I don't want this to be the standard norm because it doesn't look cinematic. You know, it looks like a, you know – 120 hertz, you know, Best Buy presentation, you know, pick your cliche. But the idea of saying, okay, you know what, once a year, I'll go and see a big blockbuster that's shot in 48 frames a second. And on that sense, I'm kind of looking forward to it because it's something different. It's something, you know, maybe it's gotten a little better in a year. They've had to fine tune it or whatever. Um, But so, you know, despite my misgivings of the first film, this looks pretty fun. And I'm guessing to a certain extent, a lot of the material that people came wanted to see in The Hobbit happens in this film. So I'm guessing it's going to be a bit more, quote-unquote, exciting than the first film. Um, I'm intrigued. Count me in. Cool. Abe? Uh, I'm not a huge... I, I, you know, back when Lord of the Rings, the series stuff was coming out, I was like, oh, I can't wait for December. So I'm not really, like, uh, you know, waiting with uh, huge anticipation. I do want to see the film. I think that... Um, you know, just see where it goes off. I do agree with Mark. When they switched it from two films to three, not a huge fan of that. And that's primarily because, do you really need to have three movies uh, just to tell the story of uh, Bilbo? Um, and, you know, we, we discussed it on the uh, the actual podcast when we recorded it as well. It's just Bilbo's story is a little bit more fun and cheeky. It's not supposed to be as dark and it's mysterious. It's a book. Yeah. <clears throat> and... Um, I do, I did, I did find it funny. I was like, is that Orlando Bloom? He looks a little bit older. It's like, oh, I guess that is Orlando <laughs> Bloom. Um, the other thing is also, uh, I, I, I was really curious with uh, Luke Evans. I was like, what? Luke Evans is in part two? Yeah. This is uh, interesting. Which is I, confusing I where... for some people because Luke Evans looks remarkably like Orlando Bloom. It's, it's hard to deny this fact. So I'm thinking if Luke Evans is there, it means that Vin Diesel is there. <laughs> and also the rock. Spoiler? So, oh, no, wait, no. Yeah, spoiler alert. Be careful. Uh, oh but overall, yeah, I, I do want to see it. I just, I'm not huge on like, oh, it's one of my, like, you know, all time, like, ha- I have to do this, like, right opening weekend, I'm going to be there. It's more like, okay, well, when it comes out, I'll go. I need your help, Bilbo. Because we'll, I know, need your team. Because we have a podcast to do it, so <laughs> you will, you will be there to see it. But, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, recall I that I was the one that was the least warm on The Hobbit when we did our podcast episode for it. You, you guys are all all happy about i i mean i still liked it but it's like yeah it was it was fine they walked around a lot this one i'm you know it's a good trailer i i'm the one that i'm also the one that that likes the likes uh, fellowship the least of the original lord of the rings trilogy so i kind of in the same mode where i'm just thinking okay they can only get better from here and that's what i'm hoping to see i like a lot of the visuals i'm seeing i like a lot of the the new locations we're going to get to visit, there seems like a lot of varieties going on, and that's always nice. I don't know if I would need to see it in 48 frames again. It's just distracting to me. I don't know how you fine-tune that. I don't know what the what the next step is. But um, we'll see, depending on what screening I get into. We'll see We'll see how that, how that pans out. Um, but yeah, so which character's not in the book? The one from Lost? Oh, Angelina Lilly? She's not, yes. She's not, she's not real? She's not, they just made her up? Oh, she's not. Okay. Interesting. Twist. I think one of the things that I really liked about the original Hobbit was that conversation that the Hobbit had with uh, Gollum. That, that scene with the riddles and stuff I thought was kind yeah, of an interesting – And I I suspect 
if, if there is a scene like this, they should, if they're smart, is going to be this conversation between the Hobbit and the dragon. I mean, that's sort of between like... Watson and Sherlock? I'd watch that. I yes. would watch that. Dude, that would be... Yeah. Right. So <laughs> I, I think... I, I'm hoping... That's what I'm kind of looking forward to, is that a well, a really well-written scene between those two characters. I, I, given that the dragon apparently has a voice, I mean, I hope that happens too, because yes, I agree. The Goblin scene, that was easily, for me, the best scene in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yes. But yeah, okay, so uh, The Hobbit 2, Smoke Him If You Got Him, comes out December 13th, 2013, <laughs> this holiday season. Love the puns. Uh, let's, let's move on now to... Because the, the greatest adventure is what lies ahead. <laughs> Thank you. Let's move on. Let's get on to our next trailer, 300 Rise of an Empire. This is, of course, the the, the much-needed sequel to 300 from, oh, thank God. from director Zack Snyder. This film is not directed by Zack Snyder. He was busy doing some other movie that we might talk about later on. Um, but it does continue the story of 300, which history-wise makes sense. Comic-wise, not so much because there is not um, there's there's no real sequel to that. But there you go. Um, we follow a new group of Greeks as they battle more Persians. Uh, Xerxes still commanding said army, and it seems, from what I can tell, it, it is a sequel, but there's also the notion that there's some prequel elements in there, so I don't know how that's all going to work, but regardless, let's start with Scott this time. Scott, what did you think of the trailer for 300 Rise of an Empire? Eh. Eh. No, I, I, <laughs> I actually didn't watch it. Quick, give him a Tums! I... <laughs> 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 I actually didn't watch until a couple hours ago, just in preparation of this podcast. And yeah, I, not knowing that much about it, it's like, this is this a prequel? Because they all kind of died at the end. Spoiler. Um, Two ninety nine. Is this a is this a sequel? I I kind of recognize some of the characters, but I don't know which actors are which. I haven't seen the original since it was in theaters seven years ago, um, six years six years ago. Um, it looks fine. It looks less like a direct-to-DVD knockoff than I feared. It did look like they are spending some money on it. Uh, Eva Green, I'm sure, is terrific. She's done this kind of thing before in the Golden Compass. Um, I just hope that since this is a sequel slash prequel, that they correct one of the big problems I had with the first film, which is that in the Rainbow Coalition of Evil, that Jews were not included. Uh, you had... You know, black people, you had the handicapped, you had the mentally, you know, you had, you had very Persian people, you had homosexuals, but you didn't have any Jews in the, the Rainbow Coalition of Evil that they had all really, they, they did covet money, Scott. I mean, uh, I, I as, guess. As, as one Jew says to another, <laughs> just to clarify for listeners uh, of the show. <laughs> right, yes, thanks. <laughs> two, I felt left out. Let me, let me clarify that. Got it. I, I wanted to be included in the, stereotypical evil coven of evilness. And I'm hoping in 300 Rise of the Empire, whatever it's called, yep. that there are some Jews for not Gerald Butler to kill. For not Gerald Butler. <laughs> Whoever is playing that character right. and whatever. Gotcha. Yes. Um, well, first of all, this was originally supposed to be released this summer, and it's now been pushed seven months farther into uh, March. Uh, do you know why that occurred? Uh, because the same release date is 300. Exactly. Cash in on the same. Similar three state. Also, Warner Brothers has a, quite a few things coming out this summer, and it's a crowded summer. Lots of reasons. It's not production related. Right. right. So it, the, it kind of belies a lack of faith in the product. I don't know. But 
it, it doesn't really... Well, it's like late August versus, like, nothing coming out in March. It's right, like, right. Yeah. No, I, I think the new release date is better. It's a smarter decision. It's just that it's interesting that they decided to change it. But it, it doesn't really appeal to... I mean, I, I, I enjoyed 300. This just seems like... I, this is sort of like the sequel that I don't think anyone was really asking for. But uh, I, I noticed that a few people are back. The Xerxes guy, Rodrigo Santoro, is back. Uh, he's featured very prominently in the trailer, actually. And then Lena Head, Hetty is also back. Um, I don't know who else is back. Those are the only two I recognized in the trailer. Uh, you know, I just, I don't know. It, it looks okay. I, I'm not, like, I'm not dying to see it. It, it sort of depends on what yeah, else. strapping on the, the Speedos and getting ready? <laughs> no. Not, I, not. I, I do hope we see a return of the king, the evil, corrupt guy in the first film that took his bribe money to the council meeting. You mean the one uh, that died? Did he get shanked? Don't, don't do that. <laughs> oh, that that's then, a terrible idea. They don't have drawers back then. <laughs> and, so, and also, I mean, I, I question, I mean, Zack Snyder did co-write this, but he did not direct. I mean, I don't know why. And then the guy that well, is he directing... this movie. He's making Man of Steel. Right. But, I mean, if he really cared enough about the product, you think he would have, like, directed this at some yeah, point? He didn't care enough about the product. He did, right. write, he did, he did write the movie. I mean, that helps, right? Which what's that? He did he did write the screenplay. He wrote it right. He already <laughs> co-wrote it. Yeah. He, he could have just but, you know, executive produced. No, and, and the guy that is directing it is somebody who I, I don't even know why he was given the the, the assignment because he he the only other thing he's directed is um something called Smart People. Yeah, the the action the action period drama Smart People with Ellen Page and Dennis Quaid. Exactly. That, that <laughs> makes per, that. that makes perfect sense. You know, so yeah. I don't know. Abe. Uh, I certainly feel like Mark, which is, uh, this is a sequel that I don't know if anyone was asking for it. People like 300 enough, and it's kind of like accumulated a following of sorts. Um, the other problem that I have with it was, uh, it's just, it, it really looks a lot like, uh, Zack Snyder's film, which is, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's, it's more of, okay, well, here's a lot of slow motion, and here's a lot of, you know, action sequences with bloodlust, and it's, it's like, well, this is a different director. Does he just kind of want to do his own thing with it? Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it's just one of those things that I feel as though it's, uh, it's almost like one of those straight to DVD kind of things. Yeah. And minus like a few headline names, it probably would have been that. Um, so I'll go into it. I, I'll disagree slightly just cause this looks a lot better than I was anticipating it to. I did think it was going to be like a straight direct to DVD type thing, but it, no, it looks like it, they spent the money and I like what's. What I'm being presented with is a movie that is trying to separate itself from the first one, not in terms of style, because why would you change the style? That's what Three is known for. You have to you know, stick with that template. But in terms of like kind of the action we're seeing, there's a lot more stuff at sea that's going to be going on, which makes sense because it's about the general Themistocles, and people that know their history might know that character. I'm a big fan of that character, actually, which is what interests me most about this movie. Regardless of if it's going to be good or not, I have a general interest already just because of what they're using for the story, I'm curious as to what it's going to be overall. It seems like they were confused for quite a long time, which is, I guess, why it took seven years to make a sequel to a movie that made so much money and would generally, you know, have a sequel come up right away as opposed to years later. But yeah, I, I would say yes. My my interest level from like a general standpoint isn't like, oh man, can't wait, just because why do I need this movie? But from what they're culling from history to bring to the theater, I'm interested in that aspect so you know i'll see it but it's not one yeah it's not one that i'm like oh man can't the can't miss movie of march 2014 but uh yeah we'll see director of smart people <laughs> 300. That's, that's funny and the trivia for him too is he left a uh, good day to die hard so he could direct 300 rise of an empire so he, he avoided one bomb already we'll see if he directs another one 
But uh, yeah. Well, I can't imagine Rise of the Empire can be actually worse than a good day to die hard. Oof. True. Yeah. I, I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll see come March 7th, 2014. And, uh, yeah, that's going to do it for Trailer Talk. So let's move on now to our main film review for Man of Steel. For some, he was a guardian angel. For others, a ghost who never quite fit in. You will give the people of Earth an ideal to strive towards. They will race behind you. They will stumble. They will fall. But in time, they will join you in the sun. In time, you will help them accomplish wonders. Alright, so that should have been some of the trailer for Man of Steel. This is, of course, the newest Superman film, which is a reboot of sorts, a restarting of the character, as it is an origin story for Superman. We find a prologue set on Krypton, which leads to, of course, young Kal-El being sent to Earth, being rebranded as Clark Kent. I think there's a brand. I think that's how it works, just on his baby cheeks. Um, he grows up. He has weird powers. He doesn't know why. He finds out why. Then more menace comes. <laughs> And he has to have a Superman showdown with other villains. Big cast, big names, big producers, all that stuff. Let's, Abe, I'm, you're the only one that don't know what they thought of this movie. So I'm going to start with you this week. Abe, what did you think of Superman of Steel? I thought it was generally uh, okay. I, I think that there was a, I'm not huge on it. I wasn't like, uh, oh, this is the best movie ever. Um, and this is the best blockbuster of summer. I still think that goes to Fast 6. Um, what? what? Nothing, go on. Oh. Um, but it was enjoyable. I think that, uh, there were some elements of it that were basically some, some nice little touches, uh, to some of the original Richard Donner films. Um, the first 30 minutes and the first 45 minutes, basically Krypton and also, uh, young Clark and, and wandering Clark, I found that to be really interesting. I thought that was really, uh, it was really nice. Um, just to see like limited flashbacks here and there and then understand, you know, he's, he's really searching for, uh, who he is and, why he's here on Earth, um, some of his inner turmoil, I suppose. Um, I found some of the action sequences to be really well done as well. I, I was surprised by the lack of slow motion. Is that a spoiler? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but I, w- I was kind of surprised by that. Um, I did like one character's action sequences more. She's actually like the, the lieutenant villain. She has these awesome punch sequences that were very much video game-like. It reminded me a lot of um, like Arkham Asylum and, or Arkham yes. uh, Batman... Zodette, yeah. I believe, is her name. Yeah, That's sure. <laughs> Zodette, yeah. I forget her her name. It's like Zora, Zora, L or whatever. Um, but she had some pretty cool action sequences. It was it was weird that the action sequences come in uh, almost like sprints, uh, because I was kind of hoping for an Avengers thing where it's big, a massive uh, 30 minutes or 40 minutes of just pure action kind of going through it all. Whereas there's <laughs> actually some stops here and there just to give you some dialogue. And also they there's like a huge stop and then it's like, okay, well, final showdown kind of thing. So it wasn't so huge on some of the uh, the, the way that it ended. Um, I did like the origin story, but it, overall it wasn't – it wasn't I, – I had really no expectations going into this film. I wasn't really blown away by it. So that's kind of where I stood. All right. Mark Hoban, what do you have to say about Man of Steel? Uh, well, you could say that I did not like this movie. Um, I feel like the movie is just the product of sterile perfectionism. I mean, the, 
actors are pretty and everyone hits their marks and says their lines and does what is asked of them. It's very slick, um, but it's not art. I mean, there's no essence to this picture, no warmth, wit, humor, joy, or anything. It's just um, a lot of special effects and CGI. I mean, there is like an overinflated amount of CGI in this film. I mean, it almost makes the Transformers film seem like restrained. And particularly the climax of the whole film, it's just buildings and buildings exploding. And there's just, I don't get excitement out of watching things explode. And what I want in a, in a picture is drama. I want human emotion. I want to understand these characters and what makes them tick. I don't need to see uh, 30 minutes of, of buildings exploding and, and all the all the uh, technology that CGI has to offer. Um and, and I actually, I thought the CGI wasn't even that good. I thought it was blurry, and it was kind of this relentless onslaught that was kind of hard to follow. Um, th- there's even a thing at the end where there's a some kind of an octopus-like thing. I couldn't even figure it out. It was like tentacles, and he's flying around, and there's a rocket ship thing that it's trying to adjust the atmosphere of the Earth. And I, I just – I did not – it none of that captivated me at all. There is a little bit of interest with – uh, Clark Kent's parents, um, but even what they have to say—that the little platitudes that uh, Kevin Co- I mean, Ke- and Kevin Costner does everything he possibly can with this script, which I think is horrible. But he mm-hmm. he does his very best, so kudos to him. And you know he does wring a little bit of emotion out of what he has to say, and in in, in you know uh, upholding his son and trying to get him to get through life, but. Um, no, I just I, – I thought this was – Zack Snyder went to the Michael Bay School for Directors where spectacle is key and damn any coherence or dialogue that gets in the way. And it was just – I was completely um, unemotionally involved in this film. Tough words, Mark. Scott Mendelson, what do you have to say about Man of Steel? I frankly didn't care for it much at all. I was shocked, stunned, and heartbroken. Um, I think the first 20 minutes or so on Krypton is pretty good. I like there's a certain freewheeling fantasy for the sake of fantasy to it. It's very sci-fi-ish. It's very unapologetically goofy. You have, you know, very fancy production design. You have gee whiz action adventure. You have flying animals for no good reason. And then you, and I kind of like it was sort of unapologetically, you know, comic booky, frankly. Um, And then once it gets to Earth, I wasn't a fan of how the flashbacks seem to be on like a, and I think uh, I think you might have said this in, on Facebook, Aaron, but it felt like a, a random shuffle on a playlist. Yeah, um, and that's how the, the, the flashbacks felt to me. Um, some of the flashbacks individually, some of them were very compelling. You're right. Uh, Kevin Costner is terrific in the picture. Um, he does as much as he can with the little that he's given, and he has given very little. Um, the script is terrible. It's a terrible script, both in terms of dialogue and in terms of plotting. Um and as the film goes along, you realize that it's not really building to anything particularly logical. It's sort of – it's it, and it, you start to realize that even though it's a long film, it's about two hours and 20 minutes, you're basically watching the cliff notes of a much larger film. And what you're missing is all of the connective tissue and scenes of character interaction. You get big scene after big scene after big scene, but the film is desperately lacking in little scenes. There are shockingly few scenes where characters just talk to each other, not at each other. There are plenty of scenes where characters monologue, either about 
what right. they need to do or, you know, this is a Chris Nolan problem. Maybe it's a David Goyer problem. I don't know. It's because they've been working a, together for so long. It's a big Goyer problem, too. Yeah. Like all of his other comic book movies. Yeah. Um, where basically characters, you know, basically just give thematic exposition in the form of monologue. And frankly, I found it more troublesome here than in the, in the Batman pictures. It didn't really bother me in the Batman pictures. I thought it was kind of something that you, you know, you make fun of on the third or fourth viewing, but I didn't find it so much to be a flaw as just something kind of goofy. Here, I think it generally hurt the movie. There is, Kevin Costner has a moment in the, you know, toward around the first act, eh, first beginning of the second act of the picture. It's hard to tell if those flashbacks were these. Yeah, exactly. Happen. It's a very emotionally powerful moment. And it gets me, and I'm, I'm into the film, and then all of a sudden the scene ends, and then you have Henry Cavell literally explaining what that scene meant in the form of monologue. And that's about where the movie lost me. Where I really is, oh God, this is, the, this is what the whole movie's gonna be. It's gonna be basically thematic exposition without, you know, basically gonna be tell, don't shout show and the film builds up to quite a bit of action but while the action is quote-unquote big scale it's actually in my mind less impressive than for example the third acts of the avengers or transformers 3 without going into details at the end of the day the big action scenes are still basically people punching each other you know the punches are harder the characters fly farther and they land harder or civilians may die Oh God! Yes, I'll get to that. In a Millions. We'll, we'll talk about that later. Can, can, yeah, I, yeah. can I add something no, no, to no, no, that? No, let's Scott finish. Let me go. Okay. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, no, I just well, no, I I love what you're saying. And the thing is, why that's not why why fight scenes between superheroes are not interesting is because they're essentially indestructible. Yes. So this is not right. a fight scene like Rocky. Rocky fighting against you know Clubber Lang or something where you're they're human actors and so the or or Robert De Niro fighting in Raging Bull where the the fist fight is interesting because these are humans. These are superheroes. So a fist fight between superheroes is not interesting. It's That's only, not. It's only interesting if the film acknowledges everybody else in the area. For example, you know, a random moment in, you know, I, I didn't like Fast Furious 6 quite as much as everybody else, but I enjoyed it. I liked it. But there's a great scene about in the middle of the third act where the bad guys are basically killing civilians. And the good guys react to that. And they go, oh, my God, we have to right. do something to stop that. Uh, and they do. They actually make an effort to save civilian lives. And in the Avengers, yes, there's there's chaos and carnage and, you know, probably countless people are being killed. But the heroes acknowledge that. They say, we need to get this fight here so they're not blowing up random civilians over there. Right. You know, and that's where the suspense is. It's not, will the good guys win? It's, will the good guys save the other people, you know, the civilians? And... They set that up perfectly in Man of Steel, and then they don't acknowledge it. They basically just have a bunch of giant action scenes where everybody around them is collateral damage. And of all the heroes to do that with, Superman is a, a protector. Right. He doesn't fight bad guys. He saves the day. He's And there's not a single scene after a certain point in the movie where you show him actually saving anybody. Nothing. I, I he's just, concerned. Yeah. Does saving Lois Lane even count at this point? I'm, I'm, no. That doesn't even count. That That's just... Whatever. Um, and it's just, it's, it's, and I just, I cannot believe that no one at any point in the film, in the process, didn't look at the script or the dailies and say, hey, Superman's getting a lot of people killed here. And without going into details, <laughs> more so than even most other superhero films that I occasionally yeah. whine about, he is indirectly, re- he is directly responsible for the threat that, that attacks Earth. Yeah, yeah, it's in that kind of don't read the Latin out loud kind of way. But nonetheless, 
you know, he is directly responsible for the antagonist that Earth faces. Ergo, he is directly responsible for all the carnage that happens. So at the end of the movie, I'm not thinking, yay, Superman, he's come to save us. It's, oh my God, I want Superman to go somewhere else. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, in a theoretical sequel, we're going to have Lex Luthor showing up and saying, you know, you should be scared of Superman. He's a dangerous alien. You know, blah, blah, blah. I would be like, I agree with you. Where can I donate to your campaign? You know, this is a this is a comic book movie where Earth would have been better off without the hero showing up, and the the damage is so huge that I can't possibly imagine a situation where Superman being on Earth would be a net positive in the end. Right. Because he's never going to make up for the carnage that he caused. There's just too many dead people. So I'm going to go. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Um. I'm, we're basically made an Oreo because Abe and I are going to be on the, on the on the kind of we think it's okay but not great but we certainly don't hate it in the same way that you guys do. Um, I will say that I recall that I was the one that was most skeptical about this movie ever since we first saw trailers for it. I was, I was already no, I was very skeptical about I was, it. I, I do this podcast weekly. You come on occasionally and say what you said. You know my opinions. Though. I do, but. Abe knows that I was the one that was on the fence for quite a while before I finally warmed up to seeing this movie, before I warmed up to being like, yeah, let's go see this movie. And so it is a bit disappointing, a bit, it is disappointing that the movie did turn out to be exactly kind of what I was initially thinking it was going to be, as opposed to that exciting movie that I was hoping I was going to get. The The movie is fine to me overall. I, I, could, I see the issues, there are big ones, but... For what it's trying to do, I enjoyed a number of things about it. It does seem like it is all surface in its emotions and what it's trying to accomplish because from what we were – what I think people were wanting to see from this movie is like this man considering what it is to be a hero and to be this guy that fights for Earth. And I don't think we got that in this movie. I just – I we, we have a lot of shots of – Kevin Costner speaking softly to make a point about something and Henry Cavill looking, you know, like he needs to contemplate whether or not he needs to do so. But, like, it doesn't – it didn't, like, register with me. It didn't feel – there wasn't was much resonance to him wanting to become Superman or not. It, it just it, – it fell flat when he was trying to get to the this emotional side of the, the concept of Superman. It, it just wasn't there. I will say that the opening of this movie started really promising for me because I was just like, what the hell is going on? This is just crazy, this Krypton opening. It felt like we got like the end of this Krypton movie that I really wanted to see. Like That's a movie that was like, yeah, let's, let's see that. Maybe the pre- whole movie should have been set let's, on Krypton. Let's see that prequel. Let's see, let's see Jor-El, Rise of an Empire. Let's see that. <laughs> it, the, the, like, that looked like the climax of some amazing Krypton movie that I just didn't get to see. You know, we see Zod, you know, rise to power too, and Jor-El's there. Like, no, we should stop science. And, like, that, that's a movie I wanted to see more of because there was somehow, like, what, a span of ten minutes, we got all this world building of Krypton and, yeah, like Scott said, aliens there, like weird animal creatures and all kinds of stuff. That was just, like, it was such a... Like, what movie am I watching? Like, this is happening? I was just really, really into it. Then we get to Earth, and yeah, it just tries to be Batman Begins, but that doesn't work for Superman, because Superman is not, he's not that character. It's not that character where I really want to think about the, the if, if the movie's not already interesting, it's not a movie that's going to get me more interested in it. And my biggest problem, because Superman's not a character that I really enjoy that much to begin with, so it really needs to be a strong story, and if the screenplay is the weakest thing about your movie, that's not going to help a Superman movie. 
And yeah, that so that <laughs> that fell flat for me. I will say I really enjoyed the action. Separated from the movie, separated from the stakes involved, I do think that I think Zack Snyder did a really good job with the action sequences. I, I disagree with what Mark had to say. I think the CG looked really pretty good. I, I would agree that the, the the weird tentacle stuff is just awkward. It's just like what what what's going on here? But I was confused. But I I would see I wouldn't say and I wouldn't like I wouldn't say that it's, this falls into the same Michael Bay camp. But, but Zack Snyder knows how to shoot action. If there's one thing, even in Sucker Punch, I know what ac, I, action looks good in Zack Snyder movies. That's something yes. I, I will defend. I will always stick with that. I, there's no there's, I never have problems with the editing. The he, his use of special effects versus practical effects I think balances well. I don't I don't have problems in deciphering what's going on in certain scenarios. Um, yeah, and it it was after I saw Sucker Punch. And no secret, I like the film more than most people, but the action scene specifically, I went, wow, this guy's going to make an awesome Superman movie. Hmm. Um, and yes, the action separated from its morality is, is pretty, is pretty entertaining. Um, my issue with it is mostly dead. Again, it's not very creative. It's just sort of doing what we've seen done just bigger and more. Um, you know, I, what, what, one thing that kind of was odd to me was that, I mean, Christopher Nolan is known for practical effects. Inception, he uses that. And, I mean, I realize he's just the producer here, but it this did not seem like he was taking any pages out of Christopher Nolan's uh, handbook of directing. And I mentioned this before. I, I, this looked like a Michael Bay film. I mean, it was heavily reliant on CGI. And there's this that thing I mentioned at the uh, climax with the rocket adjusting the atmosphere and I think all there's a lot more cgi in christopher Nolan movies than you're giving credit for well i mean i think he's known more for but anyway, regardless I, it it looks better to me the the climax of this movie the spectacle is so removed from anything organic i mean it looked didn't even look like a live action movie anymore it was like a virtual 3d universe populated by automatons rendered by a computer program it just did not seem like an organic film to me i mean i felt like i was watching an animated movie and 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 i wasn't and it wasn't a good animated movie so uh, that it just i mean it lost me way way before that i mean even i mean even the scenes on krypton those were interesting and maybe if that was the film if that was the focus of the film i would have enjoyed that film but I mean, there was so much uh, delving into Kryptonian society and the socio-political and ecological situation, and you know, I was waiting for them almost to like show the Kryptonian Senate where they vote on various bills and leg- <laughs> legislation and stuff with you Jar know, Jar Binks and Jor El, Rise of an Empire. We'll see exactly. That. <laughs> so you get the reference. So I mean, I was, I'm, I'm not saying that that Krypton stuff was bad because at that point I was still kind of like, okay, we'll see where this is going, but. I don't know. And then she's giving birth and there's these like floating things and they're they're like – I don't even know what those things were. But they were like an example to show, look at these little floating things and they're doing weird stuff. And it's like this is just distractions. Let's just focus on the people and and what what we're trying to do here, not like on – I don't know, just the – uh, special I mean, you're, asking, you're asking the movie not to world build in the span of three of the ten minutes it has to show you Krypton. Yeah, I mean, I mean that wasn't like... that wasn't the only. Th- I mean, I, I, that's fine. That, that wasn't my biggest problem with the film, but it was just there were issues that I had with it. And then you mentioned the chronology that I didn't really go into that, but that was I could not even follow it. He, he's like on Krypton, then we're on an oil rig with an adult Clark Kent, 
Right. Then he's a kid in school, overwhelmed by his powers. Then he's rescuing his classmates from a bus. I, mean, I, don't, I, there's no, I don't have a problem with following the credit. I get what he's trying to do with mixing in random, but not random, but mixing it kind but of. There random, should be a point. It, like, I think. I mean, yeah, Memento, I, I agree. I agree that the point. Of Memento the flashback, does this. Yeah, yeah and, and, and Batman point. Begins does this much better due to a better effect. But right. So the, I, I'm fine if the chronology wants to jump around and and you know do this, but. There was no point to it. It was almost as if the story – that he didn't have faith in the in telling the story chronolo- chronologically, and so he mixed it all up to make the the story seem more interesting. And I don't think that was necessary. I See, think I, could... And I agree with that because I – for the flashbacks that happen, like it – you can, you can mix them. You, it, it, yeah, it does seem they're like scattered haphazardly as opposed to feeling like, okay, we need to call back to this scene now because it needs to happen. And I, I am right. curious if like, if watching it in order would make any difference. Although it just seems like if you watch in order, it would just be a, a highlight reel of Superman moments or, you know, like random American Express commercials that are very focused on Superman. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think to a certain extent, and this is one of my issues with the film is it felt in a way like it was, it felt like a stereotypical Chris Nolan, Zack Snyder hybrid as viewed for those that don't like them. So you've got, you know, big, somewhat brainless action for the sake of big brainless action. Uh, I, people that don't like Zack Snyder will accuse me of that. I don't truly think that's true, but in this film it was. In the Christopher Nolan side, you have random, you know, non-linear filmmaking for the sake of random non-linear filmmaking. Well, everyone you discusses have, things stoically. Yeah, exactly. There's a certain, you know, it's grim and gritty and solemn and whatever. And I've never bought the line that all of his films are so cold and dark and depressing. I think the Batman films are a lot of fun. I think that's why yes. they work. They are entertaining. They're smart. They're they're there. But they're still, to a certain extent, action pictures for smart 12-year-old kids um, and their parents. Um, but this felt like a stereo, you know, a stereotypical Chris Nolan film with the on the nose exposition and the very, you know, we will beat fun out of this film if it take, you know, if it kills us. Because there's no fun in this film. There's no humor. There's no hope. There's no optimism. There's no, you know, all the hope about, you know, establishing Superman for a new generation. Well, this is, you know, telling a story of Superman for today's generation. Basically, what you're saying is, you know, Superman. You know, I, I again, I walk out of this film thinking I want Superman to go back to wherever he came from. All he has brought on Earth is death, destruction, and chaos. And yeah, maybe he might redeem himself when Darkseid shows up. But God, the way this story is being told, he'll probably be responsible for that one too. Like, Whatever. oh, if I touch this button, hi, Apocalypse, want to come over and play? Oh no. Um, what? Hold on. What did everyone think of the rest of the cast in this movie besides? Um... We, we talked about Costner a little bit. We haven't really talked about Henry Cavill. We have Amy Adams, Lawrence Fishburne, Michael Shannon as Zod. Michael Shannon, yeah. Um, he was very good in a somewhat one-note character. I mean, he does have motivation that I think is interesting. But again, we sort of are told his motivation rather than actually it being shown to us in any particularly organic way. Again, it's a lot of monologuing. I thought Amy Adams is – Lois Lane is terrific – when she's on her own, not directly connected with the Superman plot, when she becomes entangled in the Superman plot, she's just a damsel in distress. Um, or just a generic token love interest with just given nothing to do. Um, Mark, I think Mark, Richard, no, go ahead. Any thoughts on that? I, as far as Michael Shannon is concerned, I, I thought he was more interesting in that uh, profane sorority rant that he read on the <laughs> internet. That's the Michael that's if listeners have not seen that, you need to see that. That was great. Putting in show notes now. Yes. 
So that's <laughs> that's the Michael Shannon I want. I mean, and again, I really can't fault the cast for. I think it's the script. So you know, I mean, I love I love everybody on this in this film. I mean, uh, Amy Adams and Michael Shannon and uh, Kevin Costner, Diane Lane. They're all good actors. It's just, and even Henry uh, Cavill. I mean. I think he does what he can. He 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 speaks the lines fine, and he seems like you know uh, he has the the gravitas. He's got a good place. chin. Yeah, I mean, so he's fine. I, I think it's the script more than I, I can't blame anybody in the the. the but I, I wasn't captivated by really any of the uh, drama in the film, and so I guess you you have to blame the actors a little bit for that. But it it, it is more the the script. Thoughts on the cast? Yeah, I do agree that the script is probably very weak. For helping these guys out because you do have a pretty uh, strong cast. Michael Shannon, you, he's really reserved in this role as like a, a general Zod character, and I think he has like some some pretty uh, interesting moments when he's speaking to Kal-El on a ship where he's just like, you know, like I wanted a ray, or I like, I don't know. Essentially, I, I do remember one line where he's just like, you know, I was uh, I was built to fight, and essentially that's all that I know. And where were you? Where were you? Like, you know, brought up to fight on a farm, and it's just. But yeah, you know, you do, like what Scott had said. You you hear about his motivations through monologue, which isn't going to make me like this character a little bit more or a little bit less. I just recognize that he's the villain, and even though he has like some motivations that he deems as pure, I can understand that a little bit. I can empathize with that a little bit. But overall, it's just very like over the surface and very uh, shallow. It's not very good. I will um, find him. Yeah, that's just saying that three I times. Will find him. You, you you had to say it three times so I could understand it, right? And uh, Laura, like the wife of, of Jor-El, was like, what? What is your purpose here? Like, besides giving birth to Kal-El, there's no real uh, message that you try to send. Uh, and also, even uh, at, toward the end of her uh, time on screen, so it's like, okay, well, I guess that that's it. And yeah, I mean, the cast is is notable and strong, but just nothing really to do. Way to call out the mother who loses her son and her planet. Age. I'm Jeez, just that's saying. Like old, like she didn't have anything to do to make you feel so bad again. And then, oh, oh. And then, you, and then is she a part of the council? I don't, I, I don't understand. It's like that would have been cool. I, I have to. Okay, so I was meant listing a bunch of actors, and I didn't mention Russell Crowe. I think he's a great actor. I mean, not in this, but I think he's good. And Christopher, <laughs> Mal- Christopher Maloney, um, and then Lawrence Fishburne in a completely thankless part. Everything that happens at that Daily Planet, I didn't even think needed to happen in this film. I agree. Yeah. That was just wasted space. It's wasted oh, space, I, but I mean, it, it brings, there's an authoritarian level to Florence Fishburne brings it. No, no, he's, he's a great actor. Yeah, there's I know. Yeah, no there's doubt of that. Yeah. yeah. But he was, it, I don't know what, he, he probably took this part because it's a Superman movie, but it, when he sees it, he's going to be like, "Ugh, why am I even in this?" Well, he movie? wasn't offered con, so they gave Superman. <laughs> and to be fair, like you know, he he didn't really make good executive decisions. They're watching the city be destroyed for about an hour before he's like, "Everybody out of the building!" <laughs> oh, okay. he, he does do the same "We're leaving" line from Event Horizon. <laughs> he's good With that same obvious understatement. I do remember the Michael Shannon line that I liked. It was when he's speaking to Jor-El's consciousness. He's like, you know, you have his thoughts and emotions, but do you do you feel like his sorrow? And he lays this line down on him. He's just like, man, that's that's a good line, Michael. I Shannon. think Michael. Sh- I mean, for what he's given to do, I do think he. Did, I, th- I think that in terms of good dialogue in this movie, I actually do think Zod has some of the better share of it. I'm I, not I do saying, think that. I, 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 if, I, if I were to pull out some of the monologue lines that he has, I do think he had some pretty effective lines that kind of give color to what his character is all about. Which he does have a very, he does have a very funny line when he's speaking to 
uh, Jor-El at a certain moment in the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to say any more because it's kind of a spoiler. Okay. But one of my problems I had with with uh, well, for one thing, I mean, I, I, not Toby, haha. Richard Schiff is completely <laughs> wasted in this film. I agree. Um, yeah. He's a scientist. And he, was, and he does smart he things. He was the, the casting that got me most excited because it was such perfect casting. He looks exactly like the Alexander, the Hamilton character from the comics, and it's it's Richard Schiff. He's always good, even though he's often wasted. He had about as much to do with this film as he had to do in Speed. Um. And that, wow. that's, um, yeah, it, it, that, that annoyed me. Um, Christopher Maloney was more or less wasted. Uh, just, he, he didn't get much to do other than sort of a random fighting figure. Um, I would say there's more Maloney than I expected in this movie, actually. Yeah, oh, screen dub. <laughs> I thought it was very flat. Um, I will say this. Diane Lane was excellent, and I applaud yeah. the script for keeping her in the story throughout the entire film. My exact same a, thought, yeah. My, there is a pattern in these kind of films of making it all about the lessons of the father, the sins of the father, where the mother's sort of just this glorified extra. You know, the Batman films, the Star Trek, you know, the new Star Trek films, uh, you know, Super 8, The Amazing Spider-Man, what have you. <laughs> you know, this is a film where his mother is just as important as his father. Right. And uh, actually, I, I want to add, so I was saying there was no warmth or wit or, or, you know, humor to this movie, but Diane Lane is warmth. She yes. is, she is a, a positive presence. And so I will give the film that, or give her that, that she, she gave she, the character. Something. She's my MVP of this movie, actually, in terms of the actors. I, I yeah, that's enjoy, not a, yeah, that's not no, a bad MVP. I, yeah. I most enjoy, I most enjoyed her presence in this film because of the, the things that I actually, I found. And after I wrote my review and I read Scott's review, I was like, oh, yeah, we agree on this. <laughs> yeah. Diane Lane, because that just, it clicked for me. I will say, and I gotta call this scene out because everyone else is gonna love this scene. I really hated that tornado scene. I called bullshit on that tornado scene. Involving Kevin Costner, and mainly yeah. because I'm already not a big fan of, of what for for the for the meaning of it. Yeah, and, the meaning of it. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm not going to go into details on it, but I'm going to say it's just very emotionally emotionally manipulative. Yeah, it yeah. No, very, I, it seemed very like obvious stuff. to me, and the, for being a guy that already doesn't like Kevin Costner that much as it is, it's not it's already not helping. So <laughs> doing a scene like that, where there's other ways to make a point. <laughs> I, 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 yes. I can't, I can't, I can't, not even in the moment. Not, and I, I know in the theater, it was quite dusty in that theater for people around me. Not for me. I was, I was not <laughs> buying into that scene yeah. at all. Um, and that, that's, of course it's dusty, by the way, because it's a tornado. It, it moves of course. <laughs> um, and that's sort of the moment that, you know, I mentioned earlier where the scene happens, it worked for me emotionally, and then they start explaining what it's supposed to mean. It's like, oh, come on, you had me, and then you lost me because you, you thought I was stupid and I felt you needed to explain it to me. Um, and that's another thing that annoys me in the film. I'm not going to go into details, but the film reminded me a lot of the, the first Abrams Star Trek and that there's a lot of propulsive uh-huh. motion. Everyone seems to be moving. The camera's always moving, et cetera, et cetera. And there are beats in the second half of the film where you have a certain supporting character that basically shows up to explain the film as it goes on. Here's what you got to do. Here's why you got to do it. Here's how you're going to do it. Here's what it's going to mean to you. Here's what it's going to mean to the audience. Now go play and come back before dark. Um, and I don't want to go into details. It's kind of a spoiler, although not really. I mean, it's, but again, it kind of reminded me of, you know, again, that ha- that happened in the first Star Trek, where you have Spock showing up in the third right. act saying, you need to go take control of your starship because manifest destiny and what have you. And I had that same, you know, frankly, I had that same problem here. I, um, I want to ask a question. 
um, because this has kind of been going around. Besides the destruction stuff, this has also been going around on you know the Twitters versus fanboys versus people that liked it versus didn't. Um, the basic argument: uh, Superman Returns, not a lot of action, and everyone whined about it. Superman of Steel, too much action, everybody whines about it. Thoughts on that? Well, I never whined about the fact that Superman Returns didn't have enough action, so I, I'm not in that boat. I, I didn't think <laughs> Superman Returns was great, but I I gave it a marginally positive review because I thought that it was you know it had characters that were mildly interesting. I don't think I, I guess I'm not on the hate bandwagon on that film, so I, I'm okay with it. But uh, no, so Scott. I did What's that? Uh, well, I picked it as my worst film in 2006, but it had nothing to do with the action. You know, I, I, I don't see comic book films for the action scenes. They're melodramas. They're soap operas and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, my problem with Superman Returns was that the, the core plot, you know, the, our emotional investment was supposed to be, oh, poor Superman. He was a selfish asshole that left Earth for five years without telling anybody. <laughs> and then he comes back five years later. And, oh, no, everyone had the gall to move on with their lives. How dare they? Poor Kal-El. He's in exile again. Well, guess what? It's your own damn fault for not leaving a note. It's your own darn fault for leaving without telling anybody. And how dare you come back and be pissed or sad that Lois Lane didn't wait around five years yeah, for and you then, to magically come back to Earth. Yeah, and then take James Marsden's yeah, wife. Exactly. Uh, you know, it, it's it's and then if you consider it a direct sequel to the Donner films, then the conclusion you have to draw is that she thinks probably Superman raped her. Because at the end of Superman oh, 2, yeah. she has no memory of having sex with Superman. So then she magically gives birth to his child nine months after he leaves, and he starts floating around the room. Well, okay, this is obviously Superman's kid because he has Superman's powers, but I don't remember having sex with Superman. What the hell's going on here? It's an awkward movie. Yeah, one. And but my problem was not the lack of action. I did have a problem with that, that, that its big action scene was a ripoff shot for shot of Superman the animated series, but that's another story. Um... Although, you know, I, I this makes me want to watch Superman Returns again, because in retrospect, I suppose I would prefer bad characters and bad plotting to what I felt were almost non-existent characters and really bad plotting. My um, my thoughts in bringing that up to begin with is the, the argument makes no sense to me. It's just the yeah. one they, both movies have problems, but they're not related to these things. It's not like, yeah. hey, because this happened, this is bad, but because this happened... This is all like this is better. It, it's it, it's just balance, and it doesn't have. It's like just because the movie has so much more action doesn't mean it's gonna be a better movie all of a sudden. Or like correct, like it, it's almost, It feels like Warner Brothers wanted to try and correct some problem because people were shouting at it from the from from the bottom of their power or something. It's like ah, there was no action. Put the action back in, and so they did. And now that's the reason that the movie's not good. That's not the reason. It's just the screenplay's not there. It's not a good. Movie. Yeah, it doesn't find that balance, and you have. Donner's movie. That's the good example. That's the movie. There's, that's that's the correct Superman movie that. You and that is very little for. action. By it does standards. a little action, but at least it ha it does have a share of action. It has incidents. It yeah. It, but it also has strong characters and a yes. strongly written story um, and just things you want to admire about that movie. And you know it's fun. And just that neither of these movies have been that. That's that's my takeaway from both. Super Keeping in mind that I prefer Ang Lee's Hulk a lot more than Superman Returns. To me, the vibe I got was this, was this was to Superman Returns as the Incredible Hulk was to Hulk. It was sort of an overcompensatory reaction to, you know, a reboot designed to, to stereotypically, I'm speaking of stereotypes here, so bear with me, appeal to the stereotypical 
typical dumb, stupid, you know, adolescent male general moviegoer. So you had action, 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 special effects and really thin characters and a female lead that had nothing to do except, you know, be imperiled and, and be in love with the hero because that's all boys want. They don't want, you know, well-developed female characters and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It did feel like a very similar sort of overcompensation in the wrong direction due to misapplied criticisms the first time around. Saying Superman Returns is a problem because it didn't have enough action is like saying Batman and Robin was bad because of the homoerotic subtext. It has nothing to do with why the film was bad. It's just an easy thing you could pick on in one sentence I, and get I, people to laugh. Ha ha, Batman and Robin was dumb because it was gay. Ha ha ha. Well, I think one of the things that happens, too, is when you watch a film, it's an emotional reaction. So you respond to the film with just deep emotions. And at the end of the film, you try to ascribe reasons why you didn't like it or why you did like it. And these kinds of things that you've just said, like, oh, well, it didn't have enough action or it didn't have this. But those aren't necessarily the real problems. It's it's just that for whatever reason, the movie didn't grab you or it didn't captivate you. And, and this is an example where Man of Steel, you know, people can say, well, look at all the great action. Well, that didn't captivate me in this film. And, and I, it really just, to me, just seemed like it was a very commercial, soulless product that was just heavily reliant on special effects and not on developing characters that we would really care about. So. But about that Twitter battle? Whatever, dude. These are people writing from behind a keyboard that aren't involved in the actual movie-making process. They're entitled to their own opinions, but at the same time, your, your thoughts are not going to make a movie get made the way that you want it to be made. There's always going to be something wrong with it that someone can always nitpick about. Um, it's not a big deal, primarily because Superman Returns, like, if you're comparing, it's almost like comparing apples to oranges, you know? It's yes. Different character, different mood, different atmosphere of the of the movies. It's like, come on, what are you really doing here? Like, if you wanted to make that battle, then you all of a sudden start making battles of, well, this movie back in 1980 was better than this movie in 2010 because they have the same characters, but they have different directors. It's a different time. And it's like, well, what are we doing here? Scott, to your point about Hulk versus Incredible Hulk, which is something I very much agree with, Superman Returns versus Man of Steel, it makes sense to me, Even, but um, I do fall in that camp of I did like the the you know the sexier Hulk version where you have all this action stuff going on just because it, it really it felt like a B-movie that happened yeah, to star a, a Marvel character. And that worked for me. And that's... That's overall why I do like Man of Steel over Superman Returns and why I generally think it's worth seeing because I, I don't hate this movie. I do think it has yeah. a lot. I do think I think it's very well shot. For sure. I think it's a very good yes. looking movie. Um, but regardless, I what's funny is that because it has Christopher Nolan's name attached to it and it says from the director of 300 and Watchmen, it feels like people want to ascribe the fact that it just has to automatically be better than Superman Returns. But that's something that just feels false to me. Uh, it, it feels like it's, it has this like pseudo prestige attached to it because of the, because because Warner Brothers knows how to attach an orchestral score to its trailer music, and so that automatically gives it <laughs> yeah, this, it, this grandstanding nature. And it just isn't that. It does it's feel all like Hans Zimmer's fault. <laughs> because that those trailers almost made me cry, and that was what I was expecting walking into the movie. Gosh darn it. Yeah, and I'm sorry that the movie yeah. that you had as basically, I, I think you called it like your most anticipated movie of the yeah. summer. I mean, I'm sorry that it disappointed you. I, I, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry that you walked out of it not being satisfied. Yes, you'll live because you're a person that has rational <laughs> thoughts, and you know that there will be other movies that will come out that will maybe be good, maybe better, maybe better than you expected them to be. Man of Steel wasn't that for you. It's certainly not that for Mark. Abe and I are kind of like, eh, whatever, it's yeah. fine. Yeah. 
but yeah, it's it's a bit of a shame. I hope the sequel is better. I think it has a, a pretty great setup for Lex Luthor being the man who saved Metropolis. That should be the subtitle, if anything. <laughs> it's yeah, it's just it it it. It looks like it wants to be this great epic thing. It's just not that, and that's a little annoying. It's for, um, no, uh, it's it, it's, and you know, I will watch it again when it comes out on Blu-ray, because um, you know I'm, I'm curious what my wife thinks, et cetera, et cetera. I hope there's a commentary. I'd love oh, to God, hear yes. what their thoughts are. Absolutely, I'd love to hear will, Snyder and Goyer talk about this movie. Um, I you know it may be another example of, and again I think I, I dislike this a lot more on first viewing than I dislike the first Abrams Star Trek. But I think my issue with Star Trek was, again, the trailer kind of, especially the second trailer with that, the, the soaring music that everybody remembers. Uh-huh. It kind of promised the Star Trek movie when I, when Star Trek was merely a Star Trek movie. And when I watched it for a second time, I was like, okay, this isn't the Star Trek movie we've been waiting our lives for, blah, blah, blah. I, I still have huge problems with the third act of the film, but I'm not bored. I'm entertained. Um, and I think to a certain extent, and to a certain extent, I think they were selling the Superman movie of our generation, of our time, or, you know, the, the heir apparent to the Richard Donner version. I'd in say, a way I'd that, say they were, too, yeah. I'd well, agree. You know, it's, Batman it's, Begins was, and I would argue it did deliver in being the Batman movie for, you know, our time, um, or even the Dark Knight to a certain extent. Um, but I think, you know, in terms of ex- expectations, I love the first two Nolan Batman films. I have issues with the third, but whatever. And I like pretty much every Zack Snyder film. You know, I wasn't, you know, it's, 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 I was only expecting great things because everybody associated with this was someone that I had seen great things from right down to casting Richard Schiff as Hamilton. You know, again, that was like, Oh my God, they're doing everything right. They're casting Richard Schiff as Dr. Hamilton. Um, and, my disappointment was that much greater because yes, I was expecting to see something wonderful, something that, you know, really spoke to the idea of Superman. And I'm not going to get into various fan theories or, you know, yeah, you know, it's, it's, let's just say I did some research to turn it out, not having, being able to use it, which made me sad. Um, but even aside from that, I don't think it's a very good movie. I think the struck, the script is fundamentally flawed. And I think the action scenes are weightless. If you turn off your moral compass, they're weightless. If you turn on their moral compass, they're almost offensive. Yes. So either way, you lose. Final thoughts on the, the movie? Yeah, I just I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one thing I'm going to address. I I went into this movie actually not expecting a lot. I I I do completely adore Superman and Superman 2, the 1978 and 1980 version, but I wasn't holding this to that standard at all. I saw the trailers and I didn't actually the earlier trailers, I was not captivated by them. The the and then some people on the internet have dubbed it the Terrence Malick trailer. That one kind of got me a little bit hopeful, but I still walked into this movie like, well, I don't really have very high expectations for it. And even with my low expectations, I still, they were not met. The reason why I don't like this is has nothing to do with, another thing too, and uh, Scott, you kind of addressed this. I, I, it doesn't have to be a happy-go-lucky film. It doesn't have to be campy. It can be dark. If the Christopher Nolan's version of Batman is dark, and it, it could be dark, but it needs to be a good movie. I mean, it, yeah. it needs to have characters that I care about. So I'm fine if they wanted to make a, present a darker version of Superman. That's what they sort of did here, but they also loaded it with a 
ton of CGI and characters I don't care about, and that's the reason why I don't like it. So just wanted to address that. Abe, final thoughts? Uh, I think that it was, yeah, just kind of an average thing. I, I wasn't, you know, super uh, on it. Uh-huh. Um, I think that the score was kind of not that memorable either. Uh, besides, I disagree the there. I think Hans Zimmer. Well, no, you, you hear you hear the main Hans score Zimmer. in the third trailer, and it's like, okay, well, that's the that's the only part that I remember. Um, it's just that build up in in the third trailer, and that's kind of all that plays in the, in the movie. Um, and on the whole, it's just not something that I would uh, you know rush out to see again. And I wouldn't tell people not to see it. It's just more of just go in and and kind of enjoy yourself, even though it's just not. There's no real thing there, and also I did have problems with the morality of it a lot, which is like what Scott had, and it's just, you know, he's talking about this his entire time, like, well, am I supposed to save humans? Am I supposed to not do something? And then, you know, at the end, he's just like, screw it, <laughs> all these buildings, you're coming down. So. <laughs> let's uh, let's get to our rating for the film. Each week, now we try to rate films based on when you should go and see them. We have a scale that goes from IMAX to theater, dollar theater, Netflix, HBO TV, or just kind of forget about it. Scott Mendelson, what did you what would you put on that scale? Well, keep in mind I saw it in two D, so I don't know what the three D looks like. Oh, I'm sure it's fantastic. I saw it in two D. It's not. It's fine. Okay. Did, I, did anyone see it in IMAX? No, no? Okay. but there's no IMAX scenes. No, it's not going to yeah. make a difference. Um, if you're going to see it in theaters, I would say IMAX on principle. Either IMAX or 2D. I mean, you know, see it either on the biggest 2D screen you can find or see it on an IMAX screen. I like IMAX. I'm, you know, I like giant screens. If you're going to see a big scale movie, you should see it on a giant screen. But if you're thinking, should I see Man of Steel at all? Honestly, it breaks my heart to say this, but Dollar Theater. Hmm. They're going to go lower. Mark? Uh, I'm just going to rate this as far as how I like the film, not how you should see it. Um, I would say TV. Hmm. Yeah. Abe? So I had the problems I had with it, and I don't think that it's there very strong either. I would say theater. Yeah, I would say dollar theater. That's where I'd stand on it, uh, based on our scale. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's the Man of Steel review. Let's do a little movie callback. Callback, callback, callback. Each week and out now, we try to discuss some films that may have related in some way to the main feature of the week that we thought of maybe during the movie or after the movie. Um, Scott, any movies come up, come to mind? Uh, the Day the Earth Stood Still. The original? Uh, either one. Either one? Um, it, 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 it felt almost like a variation of that more than a Superman film. Which, again, if it was a better film, it wouldn't have bothered me as much. Um, obviously, Superman, Superman 2, Superman Returns, Quest for Peace, etc., etc. Um, other than that, uh, my mind's drawing a blank, so I'm going to let you guys go. Hmm. Mark? Um... Well, I would say uh, Transformers uh, because of the special effects. And then also there were, uh, I'm going to say, the the more re- recent version of the Star Wars movies. You can pick, take your pick, Attack of the Clones or Revenge of the Sith. Those are better movies. It's, it's really not fair for me to lump those in with this one. But it, just the over-reliance on, on special effects and, and the, the lack of care for creating uh, script and dialogue – is it was just sort of disheartening. Abe, uh, I thought it was like Super Eight and Thor primarily because they have like this battle sequence in a small town. I was like, this place is getting decimated, just like in Thor. Um, <laughs> I also thought of uh, John New Mexico Carter. will rebuild. Yeah, <laughs> small town New Mexico, not Albuquerque, will rebuild. And uh, John Carter of Mars, um, as well as uh, the other Superman films. But 
just in general, it seemed to take a lot. And Scott, you had mentioned Star Trek a lot and the the, the 2009 reboot. I yeah. thought of that too, primarily because uh, you know, it's kind of like a different thing, and also they're they're kind of going into different uh, different part of the storyline, and it's not there. I actually like Star Trek more than this one. Um, a lot of comic so. changes in this movie, by the way. Just in terms of a lot of what comic book comic changes. changes. Yeah, a lot of a lot of different. Yeah. Uh, Little, little change-ups and uh, involving various characters and how they know certain people in the movie. That I liked, because at least that was, you know... But again, I would say even that was less about what worked for this film versus setting it up for an eventual sequel. Yeah. Um, I would say, uh, yeah, Superman movies, obviously. Uh, the Matrix came to mind, uh, especially yeah. in terms of what's going on in The Matrix and what's going yeah. on on Kryptonite, uh, Krypton, apparently. Uh, Matrix Revolutions as well, because, hey, that last battle with the Matrix Revolutions, <laughs> um, Sucker Punch. Welcome back, George Kalel, we missed you. <laughs> and uh, Batman Begins, um, easy. <laughs> I-, I didn't think of Star Trek, because I just never think of Star Trek. Uh, <laughs> like a badge of honor, you wear that. I yeah. know. You Let's... do not like those films. I don't I, I don't dislike them, I just don't care. It's different. You just don't care. <laughs> uh, let's move on to a little out-now feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. We have a lot of it this week, actually. Tons of feedback. Tons of feedback, and so we're just going to trade up on some things. Um, I asked a you know pretty easy question. What do people think of Man of Steel? I got a couple answers here. Uh, Dennis, who sent us our email earlier, he uh, said, Decent narrative setup in the first half, but they abandoned by the last act to remake Transformers 3. <laughs> Very apt. Um, Brad Milo. Who, from, who said that? That's Dennis. Dennis. Dennis, you're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Hoban. <laughs> um, Brad Milo, who's on the Half Hour Wasted podcast and Walking to TV podcast, also on, all, all part of the HHWLD podcast, which hosts our show. Um, so far for me, this has been my favorite Superman movie, but I have no desire to see it again, and that breaks my heart a little bit. Hmm. So, interesting me thoughts. Um, Abe? We also throw out a question of which DC character are you dying to see with their own film? Alan wrote, Detective Chimp. Jose yes! Wrote, <laughs> Jose wrote, I'd love to get a great Flash movie. Uh, it has to be Wally West, though. Barry Allen might as well be named Boring Allen. <laughs> <laughs> Joe John Jans- Westy Shep takes offense to that. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Jans wrote Harley Quinn. Uh, Brian White, West of Blue, uh, wrote Batman. Mike Jones wrote <laughs> Wonder Woman, starring Megan Fox. No. <laughs> Bob G wrote None. Sick of superheroes. Give me a movie with a strong storyline with real people driven to do extra- extraordinary things. I think I've seen that. Yeah. <laughs> Rudy wrote Captain Planet, starring Ryan Gosling. No, I like, the, I like the Don Cheadle version, yeah. What are we doing? Yeah. Oh. He's got two of them. <laughs> three of them. He has three of them. Oh, he's three of them now. Oh, I gotta oh. see the third one. Izzy wrote Aquaman. Jason R. wrote also The Flash, starring Neil Patrick Harris. That'd be amazing. Oh. I, I'm putting that out there right now. That would be. <laughs> I'd love to see that choice. <laughs> that Neil Patrick Harris played The Flash. That'd be fantastic. That would be quite startling. Probably really good, too. And Willie Joe wrote Captain Marvel. Uh, let's see. I have, who is your favorite flying superhero? Uh, which seemed to be more of a confusing question than I thought it would be, but we eventually <laughs> got some good answers. Alan has Invincible. Fans of the comic there. Uh, Callum has Buzz Lightyear. I guess you would call that flying. Oh, yeah. Language. Never mind. Sharon has Superman, and Tyler has Dragonfly from Superhero Movie. I've not seen this, and I don't care to. It's actually pretty funny as far as non-Zooker spoofs go. All right. <laughs> I also put out there uh, Marvel or DC. Izzy put Marvel. They are killing it in terms of movies, comics, and I feel just feel DC is way behind. Callum 
says, I agree with Dizzy. Izzy, Marvel in comics and movies. Uh, Gary has DC. Adam Gentry, friend of the show, constantly on it. <laughs> uh, my first loyalty is and will remain to DC. That said, the Marvel Cinematic Universe should be the envy of all present and future attempts at multi-installment continuity. Patrick has no idea what the hell Gentry said, but I think I agree with him. <laughs> Robert James has, friend of the show, Robert James, Marvel during the 60s and 80s and on screen DC in the 40s and 50s, both in the 90s, DC today. It's mm. a nice breakdown. <laughs> yeah, wow. It's quite extensive. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Tammy has Marvel. Not extensive, yeah. but I like it. <laughs> and then we also asked a question of which movies have you ever walked out on, primarily because there was a lot of divisiveness in the Superman Man of Steel Returns uh, reboot, and some people were like, yeah, it's super sucked, and that's a direct quote from someone that I know. Um, so D- Susan wrote Dinner for Schmucks. Uh, Mike Jones wrote The Village. I'm curious about that one. Like, where like, where do you walk out of the village <laughs> before the twist happens? Right, but you know the twist, yeah. Liz Hill wrote Peter Jackson's King Kong. Gary what? wrote Mars Attacks. I don't, yeah, I don't understand. <laughs> Jordan wrote Lemony Snicket, Underdog, This Means War, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, The Host, A Good Day to Die Hard, and Jack the Giant Slayer. Corey wrote, I've never walked out of a theater, but I had to turn off Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland movie about halfway through it. Um, Izzy wrote Transformers 2, Nightmare on Elm Street, the remake, and he fell asleep during Watchmen. So long. Uh, Frankie, wrote, <laughs> Frankie wrote Ben Helsing. It was ridiculous, not worth my time. Dennis wrote, I didn't actually, but I would have walked out on Moulin Rouge had I not been on a date. Whoa. Yeah. Tyler wrote, the only movie I ever walked out on was Snow White and the Huntsman. Big piece of garbage. And Jeanette gave us this really sweet, endearing story about uh, her mother. <laughs> Just why I put it at the end. <laughs> yeah. My mother drug us out of Around the World in 80 Days because the theater signs said that it was the nun's story at the time. And it, was very, uh, and it very obviously wasn't. She even stopped all 88 pounds, five feet herself, into the manager's office and drug him out to show him the mistake. We got free tickets and a free dinner. Wow. That's, a, that's an interesting story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that one. Uh, yeah, I like that one too. <laughs> thank you all for out and out feedback. We put that was those great. On, the, on the Facebook page and we're just happy to get, you know, tons of it. That's why we made a whole new segment for it. But yeah, that yeah. was out and out feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. All right. I think, um, we've been going a while, but I think we have, uh, I think it's, uh, it's about that time, Aaron. I think it's a, yeah, it's, it's time, it's time for box office. That's what time oh. is. Oh. I threw you. Uh, <laughs> at first I thought you were talking about the product placement. No, we did that already. Uh, <laughs> um, let's do a little box office. Um, each week and out now, we try to predict what the box office. We go over what the box office totals are, and we find out if our previous week's predictions were anywhere close to what actually happened. Abe, do you recall what you put out there? Yeah, I think I just I I, I took your answer from a couple weeks ago. I think uh, first with eighty three. You did. I said eighty seven. Uh, Scott, in an abridged version, could you provide us with what happened at the box office this weekend? Oh, the film did one hundred twenty five million dollars over three point two five days. The, the 2.5 days thing comes from the Thursday Walmart, Walmart screenings, which brought an additional $12 million. I count that as part of the weekend. You might not. Whatever. Uh, the official Friday to Sunday total was $113 million. If you want to count that, it's still the biggest June opening in history behind Toy Story, ahead of Toy Story 2 with $110 million. However, oh, however, it's not the biggest three-day total in period, as the first three days of Transformers 2 pulled in $127 million back over the end of June of 2009. But whatever. Uh, 125 in America, 71 million overseas, 196 for the overall over worldwide total. And it still opens quite a few places next week. Next Excuse week. me. Yes, next week. 
So we're going to see places like China, I think Russia, what have you. So that's going to be a big uh, – long story short, it costs 225 to make. They're going to make that back domestically probably by the end of next weekend. Um, so this is the win. I predict the film is going to play a lot like Iron Man 2 and Pirates of the Caribbean 3, which both huh. did about 125 over the first weekends, give or take. Pirates did 114 for the three-day, 127 for four-day, and then it had a Memorial Day Friday, so it did like 156 or something you know nuts like that. This film will obviously not have a giant Monday. It'll probably be closer to you know 15 million like Toy Story 3 did. Um, Iron Man 2 did 128 million, end up with 312. Pirates did 127 in its first four days, end up with 309. I think that's pretty much a good start ending place for Man of Steel. Um, worst case scenario, it drops like a rock. Not even so much because of word of mouth, because I imagine most general moviegoers can say, yeah, that was fun, go see it. There's just so much competition over the next three weeks. You've got World War Z, Monsters University, The Heat, uh, White House Down, Spickable Me, and The Lone Ranger. Uh, just in the last three weeks, or in the next three weeks. So theoretically, you could get a little kneecap by competition and perform like Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows 1, which did 125 million opening weekend, to end up with 220, 295 million. So you're looking at a total between, oh, 290 to 320, let's say. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's great, that's terrific, that's fine, etc., etc. Worldwide, who knows? I don't try to predict worldwide, it's too unpredictable. You know, movies open at different markets at different times, there's very little consistency. Could it do a billion dollars? Sure, why not? Everything else is doing a billion dollars these days. (laughs) Um, Will it do a billion? I don't know. It could easily just do, you know, 800, 600 million dollars, which case you're fine, whatever. I think we could safely say that Man of Steel is definitely not going to be ninth place in the summer totals. Correct. Yeah, Adam Gentry. Yeah, that's that's you. That's all on you, Abe. Don't even try to throw the blame somewhere else. You mean it wasn't Alan Aguilera? Nope, it was you. <laughs> Marcus, Marcus Robinson? I agree, but I certainly know that a good $300 million is not is not bad enough for ninth place of the box. Yeah. I wonder who wrote that one. Yeah. Let's uh, let's move on now. I think we do have a little bit of time. Maybe some time. Why are we going out of voice? Ah, Steely this week. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you got some games for us? I do have a game for you guys. It's uh, called It's a Bird, It's a Plane, It's a Superman. Not Superman, a Superman. All right, I got 12 questions here. First one, or a person who scores the highest wins, obviously. And if you know the answer before I end my my clue, you can shout it out. Okay, you've not uh, described this game so far, but go on. <laughs> so I a bunch of questions about uh, movies that either involve a bird, a plane, or a man with super abilities. Oh, okay. I like that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, let's see here. Do-do-do-do. First one, a fed-up FBI agent decides to take on a tenacious group of foes up in the air in this 2006 thriller. A fed-up FBI agent decides to take on a tenacious group of foes up in the air in this 2006 thriller. Oh, snakes in a plane. That is correct. Ah, snakes yes. on a plane. What a guess. <laughs> Number two. A woman is tormented by the disappearance of her daughter 20,000 feet up in the air in this flight, 2000... Flight. Flight, that yes. is correct. Yeah. Aaron, Aaron, and, Aaron and Scott on the board there. Peter, hey, Peter Sarsgaard classic. That's what I call that. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to actually maybe uh, mention him in the clue, and I was like, nah. I'd probably give it away as an air marshal. All right. Uh, let's see here. Number three. 
A young winged hero must defeat an evil winged army with the help of these legendary winged characters. Rise Dramatic... of the Guardians. The that Alice, is correct. The Alice of the Hoot. I thought that you were going to get that, Aaron. I you know thought what? you were going to get well, that. Jessica Scott was quicker, but I just have to say, good movie. Yeah, it, it is. is. It is. It's a solid movie. Some of the best aerial combat you'll see in a movie. It's one of those movies that I saw on Blu-ray and was, gosh, I wish I had seen this in theaters. Because yeah. you could you could frame any you know as a painting any frame of that film. It's just gorgeous. And it has an Al City song. Just saying. Go on. Yes. <laughs> Number four. A man must stop a sadistic janitor from murdering a family held up in their home with this with his newly discovered power. That is correct, Scott. Man, Scott's on a roll. That's one of the best superhero themes of all time. Number five. A young boy must save an endangered bird from an evil poacher in this classic tale. Hoot. Rescuers. Rescuers. No, 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 that's correct. Scott. Oh, my God. Ah, what? Scott Mendelssohn running away. Number six. He could have been a super president, but instead, he's dead. Rest in peace, Steve Montgomery. Chronicle. That is correct. Oh. (laughs) Number seven, a marketing executive meets a traveling bathroom accessory salesman and quickly considers that he might have had better luck just staying at home. Uh, oh, my God. Uh, a marketing club. No, not my club. A marketing executive meets a traveling bathroom accessory salesman and quickly considers that he might have had better luck just staying home rather than taking all these forms of transportation. Planes, trains, and automobiles? That is correct. Oh, yeah. I He's thought it was eight. like Gremlins, but I'm like, it doesn't apply. But remember how the, the like the uncle in Gremlins like sells all those random inventions to bathrooms? Yeah, <laughs> like, that was like yeah, a Fight Club. He sells like, so. Yeah. <laughs> all right, number eight. This little guy needs a, to take a chill pill and stop creating such a fuss around his neighbors. The end is not near. The Incredibles. Almost, but Swat? it is animated. This little guy needs to take a chill pill and stop creating such Chicken a fuss. That is correct. God, I hate that movie. <laughs> Number nine, the winged animal. Aaron, seeking... can you just say that I left the podcast? <laughs> just say <it> earlier. <laughs> I'm not getting any of these. <laughs> say, well, Mark, check out. I know that you can do it, Mark. You saw a pee break, obviously. <laughs> Number nine, the winged animal seeking refuge from their characters, uh, captors find hope when a traveling hero comes to town. Um, chicken realized... Run? That is correct! <laughs> Wait, what was it? Chicken Run. Oh! A traveling yes. character. He's part of the circus. <laughs> Number 10. A high-achieving teenager from a trailer park must embrace his gifts and take on an invading foe in this intergalactic movie. Mars Attacks. Not Mars Attacks. The Last Starfighter. The Last Starfighter! Mars! Yes! <laughs> Alright. Number 11. This superhero named after a parasite man... Uh, <laughs> After a parasite takes on crime with the help of his sidekick, Arthur. The tick! The tick is correct! Spoon! Show notes. (laughs) Last question. Able to leap tall structures in a single bound, look up to the sky. It's a bird, it's a plane, it's a Confederate army captain transported to a new world to save a princess and bring peace to a troubled people. John Carter. John Carter of Mars. Aaron. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, I don't have to count because I know that Scott won. (laughs) Yeah. So congratulations, Scott. You win. Thank you. Sweet. I think I at the end there. What do I win? You win a pat on the back you, given to you, yourself. That's a you terrible win prize. Our dying respect. Yes. You've been doing this for two years. You can't get real prizes or people win the games. 
You have sponsors now, Aaron. Sponsors. You're, you're in a line. Alan Aguilera has <laughs> he's owed a lot of prizes for all the sad faces he makes when he doesn't win games. Despite my performance today, I've won a few in the You past. have won a few, too. You have won, yeah. And no one can no, no one says ambitious like Mark Johnson. He's always ready to play a game with he us. Is. Yeah, that guy. But uh, let's move on. Let's move on to what we're going to talk about next week. Next week, we have a doubleheader. We have World War Z and Monsters University. Um, this is, of course, the new zombie film starring uh, Brad Pitt and, of course, World War Z. Um, so, <laughs> uh, this is, I don't even know how to, what to predict here. This is, I, I would say predict what you think is going to be in first place and assign some kind of numerical value to it. Okay. I, I think first place is pretty easy to predict. Then go for it. Say it. Uh, speak your piece. I'll say Monsters University is number one, and I will say... 80 million. Hmm. I think uh, I'm going to go with Man of Steel still being number one. Um, close second would be Monsters University. Give me a number. And third place would be War War Z. Man of Steel is, I'm going to say, like, uh, maybe like uh, 59 million. Bold. Okay. Yeah. Scott, thoughts? Oh, I think Man of Steel is probably going to drop by about 50%, which means it'll do about $63 million. I think Monsters, Inc. The first, or sorry, Monsters, Inc. opened to about 62 back in 2001, which would be 80, $87 million today. But now you've got 3D, you know, you got 3D, et cetera, et cetera. But there has been a pattern of late of, especially animated sequels, not opening anywhere near what their, or opening about what their predecessor did. You know, Cars, uh, 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 the, 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 the Cars 2, uh, Kung Fu Panda 2, and so forth. But the kids, have, the kids have been brushing up on their Billy Crystal since then, too, though. So they might be <laughs> Is that why the, the guilt trip ended up making you get rid of Not guilt trip, the other one. Parental, Parental guidance. guidance. Parental guidance, yes. yeah. Uh, the one that made money. Oh. <laughs> no, so I'm going to go uh, Monsters Inc. number one, other rank is irrelevant, yeah. with uh, $66 million. Uh, I think uh, Man of Steel will do about 60, 65, give or take. Um, yeah, World yeah. War Z, that's the tough one. Um, normally I would say with the buzz it's getting about 35 million, but at the end of the day, Brad Pitt's, you know, Brad Pitt's Brad Pitt. He is a star, and the reason you have stars is sometimes, with the exception of After Earth, you know, you get people to see movies they otherwise wouldn't go see. Um, so I think Brad Pitt's star power will pay off, and the, the, the combination of Brad Pitt, the movie star, and a somewhat interesting-looking film, I think you're going to get about 45, 50. All right. But I don't know. I mean, it's it's, it's a crapshoot. It really is. Fair enough. I'm going to say Monsters, Inc., Monsters University in first place, and I'll say 74. I'll just go there. That's what I'm going with. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's, gonna, that's going to bring us to the end of this podcast episode. This is going to do it for this week's episode about Now Parent and Abe. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodezeek.com, where you can find all my written movie reviews, as well as at ysalute.com for all my Blu-ray reviews. And follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash ps 3 Abe? Find more fun stuff at walrusmoose.blogspot.com and twitter.com slash walrusmoose. Scott Mendelson. Um, Forbes. Google Forbes. Follow me at Scott Mendelson, no spaces. You want to read my five years of my older stuff? Go to Mendelssohn's Memos. But for now, go to Forbes. Mark Hoban. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, fastfilmreviews.wordpress.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter at Mark underscore Hoban. Great. You can, of course, find all the 
most of the of the episodes about now there name on iTunes as well as at hhwlod.com. You can check out all the other shows there, the Walking the TV podcast, Longbox of Doom, and fun stuff about comics and games and movies and cool things like that with a bunch of cool guys. You can also find all of our episodes over at outnow.podomatic.com, where we have also a few select uh, special episodes, including some some of the interviews that Aaron has done. And you, also, you can also check out our YouTube page, youtube.com slash outnowpodcast, where we have most of the main reviews up, uh, where it's 20, 30 minutes each. Outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to email us. Let us know your thoughts on Man of Steel and anything else we might have brought up in this today's podcast. Interact with us at facebook.com slash outnowpodcast. We'd love to hear anything you guys have to say or write read and write anything uh, back to you guys because we love interacting with our fans and twitter.com slash out and up underscore podcast we like we like having our twitter page too it's fun i mean we get the, the facebook seems to be winning right now so you know maybe maybe hit us on twitter twitter.com slash yeah. out now underscore podcast and our newest page out now podcast.tumblr.com where you can find just some random thoughts sometimes we have ron swanson dressed up as batman <laughs> there you go um, yeah, that is going to do it for this. Actually, you know, one more time, just because this is new. AudibleTrial.com slash out now podcast. Get a free audiobook and help us out. Be cool. And uh, but yeah, thank you, Mark Scott. Thank you for coming on and having a lengthy discussion with us about Superman and all things that go with it. Discussion. Or do you call it discussion or rant? <laughs> one of those. Whatever helps. With me, it's always a rant. It's <laughs> kind of a rant for me too. Well, hopefully things. But thanks will, for having yeah. me. Yeah, for sure. Always happy to have you guys on here. And yeah, that's going to do it. So until next time, so long. And goodbye. Light of missing your independent movie showcase, which I saw about ninety percent of the movies you discussed. I'm just saying, but um, <laughs> okay. <laughs>